This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Channel. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, King of Banter and a very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's up? I like uh, Captain Krejci working from home. Get these shows done at a nice, reasonable <laughs> yeah, a hour one, in the afternoon. A little 1 p.m., a little 1 p.m., get this all wrapped up. You got the whole night to do nothing. <laughs> well, opening, baseball opening days today, man. You can go sit back and uh, watch some games from... A few years ago, I guess. That's what Emily Network, I think, is showing, like, quote, opening day, right? They're just showing, like, games from other opening days, I believe, right now. Well, no, the gimmick is um, MLB Network, ESPN, and then all of the MLB YouTube channels. Because for some reason, like AEW, they have 19 different YouTube channels, which immediately makes me lose interest in all of their YouTube channels if I have to go searching around for whichever one I need to get to see what I need to see. But... They're showing one game from each team wall-to-wall today on one of those outlets. But it's not necessarily an opening day game. Okay, some it's of just a game. Yeah, it's just A-game. Yeah, some of them are opening day games, but some of them are like just uh, – like for the Pirates, I remember that one off the top of my head. It's the 2013 wild card game because it was the, you know, their return to the playoffs after 22 years or whatever okay, was. Okay, is that the Cueto game? Or was that's that the oh, nice, awesome. That's a fun and, game. Sorry, not for and, you. Uh, <laughs> for me, I enjoyed it, but not, maybe not for you. But well, you see, Rich, it was seven years ago. I'm kind of over it. So there's no, you know, you're not, you're not like turning the, the knife in my back here. But um, yeah, yeah, that's the Quato game. So anyway, like you know, they're picking one game for each team. The Reds have the lamest one. the The Reds game is last year's opening day game. Like what happened in right. that game? Is there anything significant about that one or? Just a comeback win, you know, Derek Dietrich hit a pinch hit three-run homer in the eighth or whatever. A nice little game, but geez, everybody else's are like game six of the 2016 World Series. Or, <laughs> right, yours is you like know. Derek Dietrich. He's a guy, yeah. Yeah, he plays baseball. <laughs> this Hall of Famer throws a no-hitter, like, you know. Right, I the think White Sox, I think, is the Burley perfect game, right? I believe it is, yeah. yeah. And that's like a legendary White Sox game, you know. And th- that Pirates wild card game is a legendary Pirates game. You know, and, and and we get the opening day game from last year where a bench player hits a pinch hit home run off the bench, which, you know, was exciting in real time. But but anyway, the point well, what are they going to show the uh, 1990 like World Series championship or what, what are they going to show for you guys? They want they want something honest, in HD. So, like, what are they going to get in HD? That's good. Reds. Content? If you if vintage. OK, if you're doing um, if you're doing uh, recent vintage, I have the perfect game. And that is uh, the uh, Jay Bruce walk off to clinch the division in 2010. I do remember that. Okay. All right. That's fine. You can do that one. Jay Bruce walk off against the Astros 2010 at home. And that was a significant game for Reds fans because they hadn't seen the playoffs since 1995. And um, 
uh, division clincher and that that group of Reds, Bruce, Votto, uh, like you mentioned, Cueto, uh, you know, that, that was uh, – they had a nice little run there and that was their first playoff team and that's a big game in Reds history and it's recent vintage. So look at that. I had an answer for you. There it I is. I didn't even nice. for this segment. I thought I, thought I was going to school you on like you guys have nothing new that's good, but that's a good one. So, you know, but uh, but but I will not be watching any of this because to me it's just depressing. Um, I have no interest in 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 watching a fake opening day. It's uh, this is honestly hitting me pretty hard. You know, forget all the death, Rich. This is hitting me very hard. <laughs> but I'm just being honest. Yeah, like right, this. Right, right. This is like I, I've been someone who hasn't been because I don't I don't hate being isolated in the house. I kind of like it, to be honest. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, uh, someone whose natural inclination is to panic about the situation or anything. And I'm, I'm just kind of chilling out and hanging out. But today, honestly, is a pretty hard day. I mean, this is I love the baseball. You know, I, I don't I don't miss an inning of a Reds game. You know, I just I don't. And this is this is hard because it would be on right this second. It would be on, and um, this is what I do for six months out of the year. You know, it's an important part of my life. So this is this is actually uh, where maybe kind of some of the reality of this just surreal situation is starting to sink in. You know, eventually the thing, eventually the thing is going to touch all of us. We're all going to know somebody who gets the thing. You know, a lot of us are going to know somebody who dies from the thing. I mean, that's an inevitability. You know what I mean? And it's like, it hasn't really reached, you know, in America at that point. Yeah, I don't know anybody who's had the thing. Um, you're a little closer to it because you got the wife working in the hospital oh, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> we know a lot but, of uh, people that have the thing now. So. Yeah, but eventually yeah. it's going to hit all of us. Right, I mean, it's right, just, for sure. it's you inevitable. have to accept, you have to accept that reality. It's like. It's like there's 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 other things like two other things like uh, you're told, you know, when you're young, you know, eventually at some point in your life, you're going to end up in court. There's just no way around it. You know, everybody ends up at court at some point, and eventually at some point in your life, you're there's a good chance you're going to lose somebody to cancer. Those are like inevitability. Like this is added to that list. You're you're going to be touched by this in some way at some point. You know, but you know it's been like two three weeks here in this country where it's really been serious business and honestly something like uh losing opening day is where it's really sinking in for me for the first time that like this is like not that it's not serious or dangerous because i've been locking myself in my house and just doing what i'm told like everybody else but you, you get what you see what i'm getting at here it's like it it feels more real today to me than it has yet that my life has been seriously disrupted. I haven't changed my pants in like 16 days. Right, right. But that, that's not really like that much different from what you normally do. If no. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like this and now today finally is disrupted your normal cycle because and we'll talk about it too. Like there has been wrestling. Like, you know, the, the idea that, oh, God, there's going to be no more wrestling. There's been wrestling. Like, we'll, we'll talk about it. Eh, maybe not Maybe not next week. <laughs> maybe not the week after. But there's been wrestling. And in, in some cases, there's been a lot of wrestling. Like, there's been a lot of stuff to watch and, and, and new promotions that we've had to, you know, watch or adjust to or whatever. But it's been there. I mean, Weekly WWE TV is still there. AEW TV is still there for you. Japanese wrestling is still there for you. Some American indies are still there for you. Europe, or, you know, or, or Australia specifically, they're still running and doing sort of you know, stuff. So you're able to kind of fill the gap there. So that's not really changed. Your wrestling viewing hasn't changed all that much. It just looks a little different. 
different and feels a little bit different. You don't really change your pants or leave the house anyway. So you're good anyway. It's, you know, you're normal. But now finally, your 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 normal has been disrupted. Like I, my normal yes. has been disrupted for a while now because like, I'm working from home. I got the nurse going into the fucking war zone every single night or whatever. So like my 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 life has been adjusted for a week or so. So like to me, I'm already well past that point that you're at. But I'm I I know now exactly what you feel like because now finally something is coming up where you're like wait a minute, this is weird now. This is, this is, and, and it's a hard thing to really quantify or really put a, a, you know, an exact description to. It just feels different. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, ah, it's just icky. There's something weird about it where you're like, I want to do something and I can't, or, you know, it's not there for me or it's something's just different. And, and we're, we're habitual creatures. Like we, we get used to that sort of stuff and that's your habit from, you know, late March until, you know, August, September is, is, is baseball. And, and that's disrupted now. Hey, you got to remember, like my wife works in a bank. She's going to be – she aside from your wife, she'll be the last person told to go home. You know, they're not they're closing banks. You know, so it's like my home life isn't really – hasn't been all that different, you know, uh, because my wife still goes to work every day. You know, I'm I'm doing my work every day, but it's not like – I, w- I don't have the kind of job where I was waking up at the same time every day in the morning and leaving the house every day. Mm-hmm. A lot of days I didn't leave the house to do my job. And, and you know, the kids, she's still taking them off to their p- grandparents' house three days a week or whatever because they never leave the house. So it's not like they're in danger over there. You know what I mean? Because it's like they just stay at home anyway. So the kids are still gone. Like nothing about my home life has changed. You know, it's like, it was only when the kids were gone those three days, that's when I'd work from home. You know, when I had to watch the kids on the other two days. You, you see what I'm saying? So that's the only thing that's really changed. But the baseball's a big change. And like you said, with the wrestling, okay, there's been a lot of wrestling. Like, there's been so much wrestling that I'm afraid we can't get to every topic we want to get to today. That's pretty crazy, all yeah. things Oh, considered. yeah, there's a show that I had all intentions of watching this week that I ran out of time to watch. <laughs> you didn't You didn't get to the EPW show, and I didn't get to the Game Changer shows. There's been so much wrestling that neither one of us were able to watch everything we intended to watch, and we're home all of the time. So it's like there has been plenty of wrestling. Oddly, that's like the one like hobby or endeavor or activity that hasn't really stopped dead in its tracks. That's going to stop very soon. <laughs> right. We'll talk about, we'll talk about that later, but yeah. But even last week, there was a topic that we wanted to talk about that we never got to with the wrestle talk show. Right. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah. It's like, you know, we intended to talk about that and we watched it, but we just didn't get around to it. There's been wrestling. Look, your favorite promotion might not be running. Look, if you're a new Japan fan, you have an ad new Japan. Okay, that's one of the places that hasn't been running. WWE, AEW has not stopped. Mexico didn't stop until last week. Um, they're all stopping now, but there were a ton of Japanese promotions that had not stopped. Um, you know, that's all going to change shortly. So that'll be another instance where it really sinks in for me when there's just there, there's a possibility there'll be no wrestling to watch soon. You know, I think WWE and AEW are really playing with fire and. I think eventually there's a good chance they might get shut down as well. We'll see about that. But, you know, Rich, in Japan, I mean, Dragon Gate just canceled three shows. Big Japan has canceled because they finally had their hand forced by a government agency. And they were one of the ones that just were running with fans and didn't give a flying fuck about any of this. And um, 
and Noah canceled the show out. It canceled the show as far out as May. Right. So Puro is really going to dry up. And that's because in Japan, I think, look, we talked about this last week. We felt like, I don't know. They're getting a little too brave here, bringing fans back into buildings and taking people's temps before they come in the door to me was a little like, look, you either got to stay shut down or open back up completely. The half measure stuff was a red flag, you know, and, and it's come back to bite them because now Tokyo is seeing more cases, Tokyo shutting everything down mm-hmm. and Japan just got too brave. And I think that's a good template for some of the West to follow, not just in terms of wrestling, but in terms of everything, it's like Asia has always been, a, you know, several weeks ahead with all of this than everybody else has. And, um, you know, it, it's, you know, we don't want to turn this into a non-wrestling show, but it's like, you know, don't get too brave with this thing if you see it subside. That just means what you're doing is working. Right, exactly. Good. Yeah, and, and that's the next, and, and it's it's going to happen in America, too, that we're going to see this, you know, we have what we have now, and, and Japan really kind of had, to a lesser extent, you know, when all the, the shows started getting canceled for a little bit, and there was a few no-fan shows or whatever, and then it was like, okay, things are kind of stabilizing, let's bring people back, let's slowly but surely, do, and that that's going to happen here in America in the next week or two. It, it, it's going to become an inevitable thing where people are like, alright, look, the cases are kind of down, or like, you know, the, the hospitals are kind of opening up or whatever, let's maybe, you know, start having some people come back to work and do and right when you do that it's going to spike back right up again and then it, what we're seeing in japan where it's like okay never mind hold on let's 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 get back to where we were and and let this thing sustain for a little bit longer and 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 not you know at the first sign of of of, of sunlight not immediately just go run run to the sun like realize that okay it's going to be a little bit we're going to need to you know when we start feeling good like you got to wait a few weeks even after that and then you'll start finally maybe knowing that you can can get back to some semblance of normalcy. But yeah, Japan, it, it all seemed all so quick that we're like, you know, two weeks out from like ground zero, the, the worst it's been and we're already, you know, letting fans back in buildings was kind of, to me, I, I and we talked about last week, like I thought it was playing with fire and, and I don't know, you know, there's the theory that a lot of it was based off, you know, trying to show the Olympics that, hey, no, 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 we're good. We're, we're, we're back to normal. But once the IOC said, okay, you know what? We're not going to do this thing this year. Then Japan said, okay, actually, you know what? We probably shouldn't be doing what we're doing here. And now they've kind of reeled things back in a, a, a bit. So um, I mean, it was dangerous. It was, I mean, we, there was that, I think, uh, the, the, the interesting story there is there's that K1 event. Um, I forget where it was, where, where it was at, but like a bunch of people tested positive for there. One guy tested positive and you had 5,000 fans in a building or whatever. And that's just, I mean, that is, you don't want to be doing that. That's playing with a lot of fire. Yeah. Because now if in 14 days, you could have hundreds of people that were there who, who come up with the thing. Um, and and many others who just never show symptoms and don't think they have the thing, but they have the thing. Yeah, and spreading it to all their friends and family and coworkers and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, so it's like uh, you know, it's you, you, like you said, it, it's that's it, like we saw them screw up. So hopefully you don't you don't follow the same path. No matter you know, we have listeners all over the world. You know, whatever country you're in, you just hope that wherever you live, you don't do what Japan just did. That was dopey, and we were very skeptical of it last week. Um, and the other thing is Japan really – the government never really shut things down, which is why places like Big Japan were able to just snub their nose at it and keep going. Right, right. Because no one told them they had to stop. Now people are telling these – you know, Tokyo is telling people you have to stop. And wherever Big Japan was running, I forget where it was. They told them, look, you cannot run because Big Japan would have run if they could. Oh, absolutely. Because, um, you know and, – and look, there's a good chance we're going to – you know, I said this a couple weeks ago. We may lose a few of these mm-hmm. Japanese promotions. Yeah. I mean I, people should brace for that. Um, these ones that felt like they had to run Big Japan and Zero One 
and everything and and you know for their survival i mean they may not survive this i mean no. it's very yeah it, it, like the idea that like they were running not because they wanted to put their fans in danger they were running because they needed to run yeah you know, it, it's they were gonna... it's simplistic but like a lot of people i like you said i don't think a lot of people wrap their heads around that that you know the reason these companies are running and the reasons why they're trying like hell to to, to brave through it and just say whatever who cares like because they're gonna die and they know that they know that the second they shut down for two months it they're they're a hand-to-mouth business and they're done i mean <laughs> i mean it, you it know there's, there's there's a reason new japan hasn't run a single match they right because they don't need to not running a match you know so these promotions with the stronger financial backing i mean new japan's going to be fine and dragon gate's going to be fine and stardom is going to be fine because um you know they, they've got the the financial backing and the stability ddt okay they're, they're going to be fine but you know your big Japan's and your zero ones, like you just said, man. I mean, they're running out of survival, and they were going to run until someone in the government told them they could. And now it's just a matter of, you know, how long can they go without uh, bringing any money in? You know, and it's not just wrestling. I mean, it's all kinds of businesses that are dealing with that. I mean, I said it last week, and I've survived another week. But I'm waiting for my phone call any day now to tell me that you know I don't have a job because we're not bringing any money in. And in my business, we don't bring any money in. Uh, you know, it's just all every day uh, there are more losses piling up. So, you know, what are you going to do? Um, except wait around and see what happens. But, you know, I think we'll lose some Pearl promotions. Uh, it'll start with the smallest and, and work its way up the longer it goes. You know, um, that's unfortunate. You know, but... I think people need to brace for that as a reality. I think like independent promotions will be fine because you know, it's the wrestlers that are in trouble. In right, right, right. Most most American indies, and I think the difference between American indies and 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 and, and pro companies are you're, you're run of the mill insert whatever American indie. The overhead is it's one guy that basically just fronts the money or whatever. You, you know, there's no office talent there. There might be you know a few people that help this guy out or whatever, but largely it's this one guy's financial stake or whatever that 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 is the entire company. Like it, it, you know, whether it be a, a GCW with Brett Lauderdale or whatever, it's just like one dude who just kind of fronts the money and runs the company or whatever like that. Whereas most pro companies, they do have off you know quote unquote office employees. Like wrestlers are office. There's overhead. There's a lot more stuff to it than just one dude who just decides hey, I'm going to run you know shows every month or so it's it's show to show with these indies it's just i'm gonna run a show next month and they're right now they're just not running you know it's it, they all have regular most 99 percent of these guys have other jobs and this is just like running their little indie companies as a hobby uh not all of them but most of them they they do something else and they just do they they do indie wrestling out of love and most of these shows or a lot of these shows or some of these shows depending on what promotion you're talking about lose money anyway but they don't care it's you know, you might, you know, your hobby, maybe, maybe you like to drink and you go out and drink three nights a week. And, you know, their hobby is they like to fucking run wrestling shows. So they don't care if they lose a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks here. Or they're running a wrestling show. Okay. So it's like they just won't run. And then when they're able to run, they'll run again. So, you don't. it's not like indies are going to fold. It's not the same scenario. The problem here is the indie wrestler who has worked and grinded and built the name and was able to quit their fucking nine to five and they're supporting themselves in indie wrestling and they're not by any means getting rich and one or two weekends of not having bookings is devastating let alone the months and months they're gonna go 
which is why these promotions were running these empty arena sort of benefit shows where fans were sending donations or the wrestlers had a chance to hawk their merchandise or whatever. That Game Changer show that you just watched, I guess, was along those lines. It's like, but, you know, eventually they're not going to be able to do those anymore either. Right, and it's right. not. And, 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 and we and should. The, oh, and, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, and, and the only other thing I was going to say is it's not like they could just get back into the workforce because nobody's hiring that, right now. That's exactly what I was going to say is that a lot of these wrestlers that, that aren't full-time, like A, the full-time wrestlers are just taking an absolute fucking bloodbath right now because they're not running, they're not doing their weekend stuff. But even the ones that do you, your, your weekend warriors that you know take off on Friday half days or whatever, but otherwise you know work nine-to-five jobs if they can – I mean, those guys are are doing well either because their nine to five probably is cutting their hours or cutting their salary or full on like so. So they like just everyone's kind of taking a beating here, but wrestlers in particular because they're not getting whatever that like whatever job they have is probably not a very like lucrative huge job if they decide on the weekends. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go wrestle. Like they might work at yeah an office. They might work at a call. You know whatever whatever they're gonna do. Whatever they they do, there's a good chance that that job's not supplementing either. So yeah, it's just an absolute. It's a big, I mean, anybody in like, you know, any artist too, like I'm, I'm doing a, a Patreon series with, uh, with, with, with slash Adam or whatever on, uh, uh, the WW spring breaks. And, and he had a whole tour planned. He had a bunch of merch that he got for the tour. That's all gone. Now he's not making any money touring. That's how he makes all of his money is touring and selling merch. So now he's doing like, he's, and a lot of the companies are doing this too, or a lot of the, uh, the, the bands are doing this too, where they're doing like, you know, live streams on Instagram or live streams on YouTube where they can at least try to get to their fans and try to say, Hey, I'm doing a show with the intention of, Hey, look, I have have merchandise hey buy my albums buy it like you got it yeah if you want to support wrestling at this point you got to directly support the people that do it because you just you, that's the only way to really support it right now especially indie wrestling like these companies are not going to run for a while and if they are going to run it's just going to be these these fanless shows or whatever so yeah it, it's you got to do direct you know to buy shirts do that sort of stuff donate whatever but it's they're, they're taking a beating man it, it's the the industry and in, in general is just it's such a hand-to-mouth week by week, month by month, show by show industry and, and and we're seeing how loose that can be when something like this happens. Yeah. But um, you know, and and you know, we already talked about a lot of the sweeping cancellations in Japan and, you know, nothing's really happening in the US outside of um AEW and WWE running their weekly TV and and in both cases taping ahead. Um, you know, last week we kind of buried AEW for not taping ahead. Um, you know, basically because they were very tight-lipped about it, and and we just assumed that they weren't taping ahead. But after talking to people in the office there, I mean, they're definitely taping ahead. I mean, they wouldn't, they didn't come flat out and confirm it with us, but they, in so many words, they're taping ahead. And I'm watching Dynamite last night. Did you get? Were you thinking? Hmm. Is this really live? It wasn't. You can tell it wasn't live. The Chris Jer- the, the segment we're going to talk about at the end, uh, the Matt yeah. Hardy-Chris Jericho segment was not live. It was obvious it wasn't. Yeah. Because there was cuts. It was camera cuts as they were trying to do the, the quote-unquote magic tricks or whatever. So, it, no, it wasn't live. <laughs> like, it 100% was not live because they couldn't have replicated what they did live. So, yeah, no, it, it – yeah. The entire time I could kind of tell. Everything was seemed pretty perfect. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely taped. It was, it was 100% taped regardless of the – quote-unquote live, you know, stinger in the left there, the live little graphic in the left, it, it absolutely was not live. I mean, even outside of that, I mean, after um, the conversation we had, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, how much of this is live? How much of this isn't live? Um, you know, they're just not shouting to the world that they're taping stuff ahead. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, we know of of one match for sure that has at least one match that has been taped that hasn't aired yet because 
you know, uh, someone may have accidentally told us, you know, but it's like, and I, I don't think we're speaking out of school. I mean, it wasn't like it was off the record. I mean, you know, we straight up asked Tony Khan and he said, well, why are you assuming I haven't taped anything? And then at that moment, like the light bulb went on. I'm like, oh, of course they are. Like, why wouldn't they have been? Like, we just talked last week. Well, I said that. La- I, I mentioned that last week. Like, you had sort of said, well, why would they say they weren't? And I was like, well, why wouldn't they be taping, though? It, it just made no sense. Exactly. That's exactly what I was just going to bring up. We had that whole conversation, and we're like, well, everyone was there. Why would you bring everyone there and not use most of them? It doesn't make any sense. And, you know, of course and, – and and it made such little sense that we should have been just smarter about it. Of course they've been taping ahead. So who knows how much they have? They could have, they could have taped from sunup to fucking you know into deep into the night uh, last Wednesday for all we know, and who knows what they did this Wednesday? It's very cloak and dagger, you know, and and you know if they want to keep all of that, you know, um, under their you know uh, you know under a cloak of darkness and not let everybody know exactly what they're doing. I mean, I you know that's fine. I, I don't you know I don't necessarily see what you gain from it or what the big deal is to let people know. Hey, we're taping ahead. But, um, you know, that's it. You know, if that's the way they want to handle it, that's fine. But um, but but the larger point is outside of AEW and WWE, yeah, no one else is doing anything. I mean, I just went over it behind the paywall, the other secondary promotions and, and when they're going to be out of stuff. And, you know, ROH is already out of stuff and Impact has till mid-April and MLW has until about May. MLW got lucky because they snuck in that that Mexico taping. Right. Um, right before Mexico shut down. So they've got like an extra month on everybody else of footage. NWA has stuff, but he doesn't want to use it. He's got stuff, but it all builds towards the pay-per-view. So he just doesn't want to use it. And he's trying to figure out if he can rework some of it, maybe do some new commentary or whatever. So the last two weeks, they have aired their pay-per-views. They aired the anniversary show last week, and they aired the pop-up show from Nashville, I think from Nashville, whatever Crimson's promotion is, that tried and true. Where does he run? Wherever right. he oh, runs. Oh, um, um, yeah, I I think Nashville, but let me let me make sure so people. Because that was that pop up show. Remember last year that? Uh, yeah, they yeah, yeah. And they ran that this past week. That had the um, Josephus versus Arquette, hair versus hair, and um, Nick Aldis versus James Storm were the top two matches. But um, but yeah, so I, we don't know what they're going to do. They're just stalling for time at this point to figure out whether they could use the footage they have or not. But once those places run out of footage, they don't have the advantages of Vince McMahon and Tony Khan where they own their own building somewhere that they right. can just run with impunity until the government says you can't. They're, when they're out of footage, they're out of footage. So what do you think? I haven't seen any of the episodes yet, but what do you think of the ROH strategy of using the old archives finally, which they've been doing on YouTube a little more? Mm-hmm. And that you've been sort of talking about behind the paywall, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Um, but what do you think of them incorporating that into their weekly TV? Because um, I know you saw the same correspondence I did um, from an ROH source. Got to be mysterious. With oh, that yeah. One. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that strategy? Because I think that's pretty smart. In yeah. Circumstances. No, I, I absolutely think it's smart. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of ROH's TV normally. Uh, right now, it's like a little disjointed, a little weird anyway. So it's like 
to me, it's not that big of a difference because I don't really, I, like I said, I don't really love you know what, what what they're doing. But no, I think using the old archives is a, is is a great option for them as they can. If you can get some guy in front of a, whether it's Ian or whoever, in in front of a video saying, okay, we're here this week on Ring of Honor, and like, you know, we're going to go back to the archives and look at, like, I think there's a way that you can do it to make it look, there's like a lazy way to do it where you just like show old, you know what I mean? You show old matches and that's it. It's just like, here's two old matches and that's it. That's our hour of TV or whatever. And I think if you put a little glean on it, a little touch where, yeah, you have a stand up, you maybe have, you know, a a promo package or two building up to whatever you're going to do, at least something to break it up, some sort of new content with the old content or an introduction to the old content or what you're going to watch here is you know a match uh featuring you, you know the, the cm punk and, and and brian danielson who both wrestled at ring of honor years ago and like you know it's from our archives and that sort of stuff and you can watch the action of ring of honor at ring of you know there's ways to do it that i think you can do it pretty slickly but i think it's a great idea i think it's it's way better than going dark and it's way better to me than showing more recent stuff like you could just say hey let's go show the 2019 best in the world or whatever and i to me that's kind of hokey i don't like that stuff and that's why i was going to mention you know going back to like what baseball's doing right now showing a lot of more recent games and that sort of stuff to me i i, I like the approach that like nba tv is doing or lb network was doing before today where instead of showing like games from last year they were just showing really old shit because it's like all right look yeah. like you don't want to see last year's opening day it's like too fresh too normal like you know, why would you want to watch this like what what what, what would possess you to want to watch the 2009 a game from earlier this season or whatever in the nba and what, are you, what, are you, what are you learning from that right it's you, you just watch that stuff you, you know why do i want to watch lebron I've watched every LeBron. They're all fresh in my mind, so I totally get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, and that's, like, from the same aspect of, like, Raw, when Raw's like, hey, here's the Royal Rumble. I'm like, I just fucking watched the Royal Rumble, like, a month ago. Yeah. Why would I want to watch this again? Well, okay, in WWE's case, though, I'll give them a pass, though, because they're still building towards stuff like WrestleMania. Right, 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 right. For sure. That's a little different. But you're totally nailing it with the sports stuff because, okay, I listened to – uh Chris Russo on Sirius and obviously sports hosts are just begging for something to talk about. He's going back and watching old NBA games, but he's watching NBA games from the seventies and eighties. And he's for the same reason you just said, what the heck's he going to go watch a fucking LeBron James finals game from last year for? He just saw it. So he's watching these old games and then he's learning a little something from it. Like I'll give you a great example. I'll point out here he, that LeBron missed the playoffs last year, but anyway, go ahead. You'll get the idea. So, <laughs> just so, so, he is learning things and the listeners are learning things because he either doesn't remember or he forgot mm-hmm. the old NBA rule where if you went over uh, the foul, where if you were you put the other team into the bonus and you weren't in the bonus yet, they got three shots. Three shots, yeah. And the ball, I thought, too, <laughs> which was like, oh, God. Three, three shots. And this is a 60-year-old man who lived through it, but he just forgot because yeah. it's been so long. So that was a great conversation. And, and the other thing was if there were – when the NBA first rolled out the three-point line, if you got fouled on a three-point shot attempt, you only got two shots. That's something else that a lot of people right, have forgotten right. about because mm-hmm. they changed the rules so quickly. But, you know, it's little things like that. And it's also, you know, watching Larry Bird or Kareem or whoever play in real time in their prime, not just in highlight form, but the actual tape, the whole game. You know, the, the, the not just the, the highlights, but the failings as well. What they did well, what they didn't do well, what made them so great. So I'm totally with you on that. I have no interest in a game from last year. Right. I have and, no and, interest in, in a game from five years ago. G- give me the old stuff. Right, right. And that's that's the way I see as, as far as, like, Ring of Honor. Like, yeah, you could just replay a show, whatever show you show, January 15th or whatever, the week of January 15th or whatever. But, like, 
that just seems like real hokey and lazy and kind of like yeah. Like that that's not going to do anything. But if you say, "Hey, look, we're going into our archives. We have never really done this before. There's a reason now to watch that." There are people, and that's the reason why I did the the the, the, the you know, ROH their 18th anniversary. They released those collections and I'm I'm, I'm previewing them on on patreon.com/voiceofwrestling as well. And and the reason why I when I started the series, I said, "You know what, guys? I'm not going to do spoilers. I'm going to introduce the match. I'm going to talk about the match. I'm going to give you the previews. I'm going to let you know what both guys were doing at the time before this match started, and then I'm going to let you watch the match because I assume a lot of you have not seen CM Punk versus Roderick Strong from 2005, and I wanted to see what the feedback was going to be on that, of me doing spoiler-free, and it was like 100% across the board of people being like, oh yeah, I've never seen that match. Oh yeah, I didn't even know Roger Strong was you know challenging for you know CM Punk in, in 2005, and it's like, alright, cool. There you go. Ring of Honor has this archive that they have never really done much with. They've done very, very little with. So to me, that's the best. I mean, that makes that a must-watch show every single week. If they're going to start dipping into those archives and showing matches they've never, never even shown before or, you know, giving you some background on, on, hey, here's when, you know, you might see Roger Strong on other television shows right now, but he was, you know, in Ring of Honor. And here's what he – like, there's a way where you could really do some great stuff with this, where you do profile pieces on guys. And they can be they can be current guys in Ring of Honor now. You tell the backstories of the current guys. Or they could be past ones where you say, hey, yeah, you see, you know, Brian Danielson every single week on, on other television. But, yeah, he cut his teeth here. And this is what he did. And here's some of his highlights and here's some of his big matches that's the stuff that's going to attract me so if ring of honor does do that and puts the resources into it i think that's a way way better option than just replaying shit or even honestly taping ahead with with no crowd because i'm starting to kind of feel a little you know not necessarily burnt out by the 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 the, the no crowds but some companies can pull it off and some companies can't and i'm not sure about ring of honor and how well that would come across on ring of honor particularly when they don't have like you said they don't have a building to to do it in AEW don't even notice because they're in daily's place there's fireworks there's pyro and there's lights and all this sort of stuff so it's like ah you know what who cares there's no crowd but i'm still enjoying this ring of honor in a warehouse you know wrestling with no crowd and and you know a guy doing a voiceover that's gonna get kind of boring pretty quickly um as well so i i think i think dipping into the old footage i think is, is a fantastic idea for ring of honor Okay, so I've got it on now, and it's the episode that they told us about last week where they said they're going to roll out this new strategy with an episode focused around the Briscoes, and I'm fast-forwarding through it very quickly, and this really seems cool as hell. It opens up with a tour of the chicken farm. Okay, interested, interested. I don't know if that was shot new or if that was something they've just been – that they've gotten their – coffers you know what i mean but it starts off with a tour of the chicken farm and then they then they show briscoe's versus steen erico in full oh i I don't know which match because i know they had several but there's a because i'm just fast forwarding through so then there's a briscoe steen erico match which goes through several commercial breaks Hmm, then they come back what does the building look like because that might be the one if that's the one in chicago you can see uh you can see a young rich crate nearly break his wrist maybe i'll go (laughs) i'll go back and see if i could identify it but then when that ends there's like a sit down interview with 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 both of the briscoes sitting on the ring apron okay okay and what they're doing i don't have the sound on but i could tell you what they're talking about they're speaking as you're being shown highlights of all of their various singles matches they've had. The first one in like 2003, then one during the HD net era. And then the, that segment closes with a full match with Jay defending the world title against Mark from this era. So that looks really cool where they're kind of talking about wrestling each other, all of the various times that they've wrestled each other in ring of honor. And then they close out the segment by showing you the world title match that they had against one another. So let's fast forward past this and see what they end the show with. Cause that's only, we're only a half hour in 
Um, oh, the show's actually on right now, and I caught up to the live viewing. Oh, there you so go. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's that's the end of that. But um, let me see if I can figure out which. That's a good approach. That, that's a benefit that Ring of Honor has that that NWA wouldn't have, or or some other companies wouldn't have without a ton of history. So that's cool. Yeah, so right there we can see that this is a pretty cool format. I got to be honest, I'm going to go back and watch this. Yeah, I think um, I, I don't know if I get Ring of Honor yet, <laughs> but I, I can find ways to see it. So this looks interesting. They're trying um, to get into Chicago, but and we should note that they did tell us that they taped some empty arena stuff in Vegas because they were out there for the pay per view, and then the pay per view just never ended up happening. But they had everybody there, so they ended up taping some empty arena stuff in Vegas that they claim they were happy with. I guess they're saving it for a rainy day, which actually isn't the worst idea. No, either. yeah, do this stuff as long as you can. But if this becomes a thing where, hey, we can't get anybody to come in and edit or or we, we got to be completely shut down and nobody can come to the office or whatever, then, yeah, then you throw on some of the arena shit, I guess. No, I, I, that's cool. Yeah, and, you know, maybe you, you hold that empty arena stuff until you're ready to get back to business and then that gets people back into your storylines and whatnot instead of burning that stuff off now and then in three months it's out of sight out of mind um okay so in this match here the briscoes are coming in as the champions i don't know if that helps you or mm, or it doesn't let help see, yeah you. let me do a quick little um this is watch my misery of my, <laughs> my wrist nearly breaking this is bald-headed era brisket. Well, obviously it's Steen Erico. Um, so, oh, Chicago Ridge. There you go. Oh, hey, there you go. All right. So you can. Uh, so what happens is the spot. Okay, if you want it's to see. from. Here you go. It's driven from June twenty third, two thousand seven. I think that would have been it. Yeah. So, you get that full match that goes through a couple commercials. Then you get them talking about their singles matches through the years and walking you through that, which I guess takes you into their world title match that they had a couple years ago. And then this actually, I have two different copies of this because it recorded in the middle of the night too. I get ring of honor like 19 times. So <laughs> I think, Oh, you know what? I think that happened with me and I deleted it. So maybe I need to go back and, uh, so let me see what else they have on here. Uh, that's a- I'm absolutely match. at that show. Yeah. That's hundred percent. It's a great show by the way, too. Uh, for people that have not seen that in a while, uh, main event is Danielson and McGinnis. I've always told you that one. That's the one where I was peeing and Nigel McGinnis was, like, uh, mind if I pee real quick, boys? <laughs> like, like there was a guy, like, ready to come, and he, like, came in, and, and he, like, moved somebody out of the way, peed, and then, you know, washed his hands, walked out, and then you hear his music, and he just comes out, like, two seconds later. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, I, mean, I just saw that guy. You know, he looks like the biggest badass in the world, but I'm like, that's, like, indie wrestling at its perfect. Is that, like, that they need to share ROH. a bathroom with you, and then four seconds later, this guy comes out, you know, he's going for the title, or he's going to be the number one contender. <laughs> so, you know, knocking heads off. Yeah, it's Danielson and McGinnis in the main event. Uh, more Shima versus Jimmy Rave uh, than Briscoe's, yeah. Generico, and Steen. So, yeah, that's that's for sure the one where I nearly broke my wrist. So, that's cool. Okay, so that singles match for the world title takes you through the rest of the show because it's about a half hour long. So that's a cool little show. You know, that's that's not a bad solution for what we've got going on here. Um, and and like you said, they are much better positioned to put together TV like that than, than like MLW would be. Or I guess Impact could do it. Impact could do a nice little job. Oh, for of sure. Stuff like oh, yeah, absolutely. Impact's Impact's archives are. We always say it's like the un, it's the it's the hidden gems of and and we're even guilty of it too. We have a Patreon. We we do retro stuff, and for some reason, I never think to go back and watch stuff on Impact. But yeah, they have years upon years upon years of, of really good stuff too that people aren't ha, haven't div, uh, dove into yet. And yeah, they could do exactly the pieces with people that are currently in Impact, or they could say, hey, you know. 
AJ Styles, here's what he did for us before you know you saw him in the other places. There's a lot they could do there. Might be time for uh, at Billy and Lagana to dig up them Houston tapes that they bought a few years ago. Huh? <laughs> right. well, didn't uh, didn't uh, Billy I, I, Billy bought a bunch of uh, uh, like crappy old like Chicago 1930s wrestling, I believe too. So maybe you can start dusting off those <laughs> gorgeous George tapes. And... Listen, you know times are going to get tough. <laughs> But, Am I um, right that he did that? I think he went on like a buying spree where he bought uh like a like the a lot of the old like Capital Wrestling shit. I want to say there was something that he bought. It was like really weird, and there was no reason for him to buy it. I think so, but the thing about it is, I mean, if I had the means, I'd probably be buying up any old wrestling. Absolutely, I'd get my hands on yeah, too. for sure. You know, because eventually you can flip that to McMahon. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, I guess MLW has the 2003 stuff if they really wanted to. If they had to get desperate, you know, the old Steve Carino yeah, footage. Little, little Kojima, a little <laughs> strongest arm yeah. there. Yeah, you know, yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess the overall point here is, uh, you know, these last couple weeks I've been expecting the wrestling to dry up and it hasn't. But now that's becoming more of a reality where it's about to happen. Um, so... I don't know. Maybe it's good that we weren't able to get to the Wrestle Talk show last week. And maybe it's good that something might get chopped today. It won't be Dragon Gate. We can't do it to Dragon Gate again, can we? I mean, we've got to see No, no, Gate no. We're, we're talking Dragon but, Gate today, for sure. But maybe it's good that some stuff, that we're still somehow running out of time, because then we could talk about it then. I mean, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to need stuff to talk about. We, I haven't watched that Pro Wrestling Masters show from Japan from a few weeks ago. I got that one on the back burner. So, uh, and I guess there'll be... You know, WrestleMania, I would assume, is either completely taped or almost fully taped. We'll have that to talk about. Um, I'm not sure. If you I, know, do. I don't know if I could do WrestleMania. You know, we I, like, have to. We have to. I know, you but know? it's like just well, the thought. This is a good transition, though. Yeah, it because is. Because this is something you brought up off the air, and it's it's your topic. So you are struggling with WWE's no fan shows way more than you are. You've seen no fan shows now from AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon Gate, I guess, but they kind of used the AEW model of having the other wrestlers at ringside. Yeah, and GCW kind of had the same thing, too. There was just a bunch of, like, the guys, when they were done, would just go and sit, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but last night's AEW was a true empty arena, and you've seen some other empty arena shows from around the world now, but for whatever reason, you are struggling with WWE's brand of, of, of empty arena, even with the new camera angles. So, why is that? I think one of the big reasons, I was kind of trying to talk it through because i was talking with a buddy the other day it was like hey have you watched like nxt lately or you watched smackdown lately and i was like yeah i i I have but the the it like physically pains me to watch them because i think they're doing i don't want to say they're doing a bad i mean it's hard to do any a a good job with empty arena it's tough it's a very difficult thing to do the one thing they did thankfully is they changed the camera angle they got it away from just showing empty rows of empty chairs and got it to the aw model where you see the you know the 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 hard cam is the screen and the entranceway or whatever which is way more exciting and, and a much better idea so kudos to them on doing that and, and and adjusting you know their format which they they just do not do they they are very much against adjusting formats the problem that i have with wwe you know no fan shows is and we, we talked we touched on it briefly briefly last week is that it feels like they want you, the viewer, to not think that there's no one there, or they want you to give the perception that no one's there. I'm not saying that they're pretending that there are fans there, but they're just like, they're wrestling like there's fans there 
Does that make sense? Like the way that the the cadence of the promos that we talked about, the entrances, the way the wrestlers are sort of positioning themselves, the way they're, you know, getting into the ring, the way the announcers are talking, the way the promos are sort of directed to, everything is still kind of being directed to this audience that's not there. And it's dependent on the audience that's not there. And, and we talked about it again, like briefly, briefly last week, but like WWE style is so dependent on hitting the right points at the right time to get the crowd to react the way you want them to react. That's, that's what they teach is you do this and the crowd does this. You do this, the crowd does that. It's, it's all, it, it's so unorganic and it's very much like do this because the crowd will react this way. And this is the way we wrestle. And this is why we do that. And, and, and you see it. You see it in, in, in principle when they're, when they're wrestling in front of no audiences and you see them desperately trying to get the, you know, their sort of style of wrestling, their format of wrestling, they're still doing it the same, the format of their promos, everything's still the same, but it just can't be the same. You know, that you just can't do that. Like AEW, I'll give them a lot of credit for what they've done is they've really eliminated like the in-ring promos. There's nobody talking anymore, except for the final segment, which we'll talk about, but everything else is being done either backstage or being done in like a vignette format. It, it, you're not getting a guy coming out and cutting a promo anymore. Because they realize how dope, how dopey that looks. It just looks weird. There's no crowd. What are you doing? You can just do that backstage. Or you can just do it in, in in vignette format. WWE is not quite doing that because they're so dependent on it. That's so much what their their their, their business model is. That you're seeing shows where it's like the guys come out and they're they're holding microphones and talking to each other. You have the Edge thing, like you were saying, which was just excruciating to get through. That Edge promo. It was it was a fine it was fine whatever I know people are really really love it or like Orton's promo on Raw this week a very again a very good promo but it's excruciating to walk because or to listen to because there's like pauses and there's like a cadence to his voice and all that sort of stuff is dependent on the crowd going yeah or boo or reacting or whatever and they're not doing that and they're not reacting but these guys are sort of still acting like there's a crowd there and and you know NXT the same way the the style of wrestling is still being sort of wrestled like you're waiting for a crowd to react a certain way or you're waiting to go to a commercial break or you're waiting for someone to say something. And it's just, for whatever reason, it's like physically hard to watch these WWE empty arena shows. And the idea that like WrestleMania now, I got to watch two straight days of three straight hours or whatever of that, it's just tough. I think the most, honestly, the most glaring example for me and the one that really was like, all right, you know, I need a little bit of distance here was the SmackDown with Gronk. I really wanted to watch that. I was like, all right, let me see what's going to happen here. Joe, was there any segment that's more excruciating, oh my god, I hope nobody doesn't walk in the room, than Gronk coming out, dancing, gyrating, Mojo Rally dancing, Michael Cole being like, yeah, it's Gronk, or whatever, and there's no one there. It's, um, the last thing we needed was two Mojo Rallys. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think that would have bombed with fans, to be fair. Um, it's just bad in all sorts of ways. But. Well, it's like the lack of awareness, I think, is the biggest thing to me. You, yeah. it, it, it's awkward. Everybody makes it awkward because it's like, do you, you guys know there's no fans here, right? Like, you can... Whereas, I think AEW has done a pretty good job of it, or or these other companies have done a good job of, of straight up addressing, hey, there's no fans here, we know it, there's people outside of the ring or whatever, but let's just kind of have fun with it, let's still have a show. Everybody's not doing that. Like you said, they're trying to kind of bull through it a little bit and say, no, 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 no. we're doing our show, we're going to do our thing, and we're not going to address the fact that there's nobody here. And there's, it's like an awareness factor. Like it, it, they don't seem self-aware about it quite yet. Whereas I think every other company has done a good job of saying, "Look, we know there's no fans here." I mean, like even in the uh, the Jericho promo with, with Matt Hardy, which we'll talk about here in a bit at the end of Dynamite, Jericho is like, "Who are you talking to, man? There's no one here. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing all this stuff? There's no one here. It's yeah. just you and me in the ring here." And I like that. I like the idea that you you just make it obvious to people. Make it, you know. Be aware of the fact that you're doing this, and it's kind of goofy, and it's kind of weird, and it's kind of. But like WWE isn't doing that; they're kind of acting like it's business as usual for the most part. 
but it's just not. It, 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 it's just not, and, and there's an awkwardness to watching it. Let me be clear. None of this empty arena stuff is good. Some of it is good by empty arena standards, but all of it is bad and awkward and weird. Um, I, I can't sit here and say that I've genuinely liked any of the empty arena wrestling except when measured against other empty arena wrestling. Wrestling does not work in this setting. What's happening, though, is I'm getting so used to the empty arena wrestling that it's starting not to feel weird anymore. And it's only been a couple of weeks, which is a, which is another thing. But you spent a lot of time articulating why the WWE empty arena isn't working. I'm not going to spend any time articulating that. All I know is I watched Dynamite last night, and then I immediately watched NXT. Both of them had empty arena. Neither one of them had fans at ringside. Both were shot with the exact same camera angles. And for whatever reason, one that I cannot put my finger on or explain, NXT felt ex- like exponentially more dry, um, boring, dead, uh, lifeless, bizarre, all of those things. And I don't know why. I have no clue why. There's just something about the way I don't, I can't explain it, but I totally get what you're saying because I get the same feeling when I watch Raw and SmackDown. And I don't necessarily get that same feeling watching Dynamite. I watch Dynamite and it's weird and it's a little spooky, but I'm able to get into the show. You know, and, and NXT didn't do a bunch of in ring promos or anything. They did one with Keith Lee and then one at the end. And the one at the end was actually really good. It was just match after match after match, and it was the tight camera angles that Dynamite has been using because we thought that they would be too proud to copy AEW, but they haven't been. They immediately copied AEW uh, as soon as Dynamite aired the first week, which was smart. But it just feels so – it feels more lifeless for some reason and soulless, and maybe it's because of the reasons you said because they just can't break away from the house style in any way. And their house style is just not conducive to this. And and that's probably the reason. But I agree with you. It's a hard watch. And WrestleMania is going to be a hard watch. But it's going to be so fascinating that I, I, I honestly can't wait for it. It's a study in pro wrestling. Yeah, this is like a historic study here of like taking all that WrestleMania is. which which And we've talked about it in, in, in recent years as well. WrestleMania is not a good wrestling show anymore. It, it stopped being a good wrestling show years and years and years ago. It became... Yeah. A, a sideshow, a spectacle, uh, an event, a, a moment, or whatever. It, it became that. It, 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 it ceased to become a very good wrestling show a couple years ago, and it ceased to, it, it became whatever the hell it is right now. You might have some good when, wrestling matches the, on it, but it's not a good wrestling last, show anymore. When's the last time it was good? I think recent years I've either come away from it thinking that was not a good show and I want the hours of my life back, or there were maybe one or two where I was like, yeah, it was all right. But way too fucking long. What was the one in like, uh, Santa Clara? I want to say thirty-one. I want to say I enjoyed was Santa that Santa Clara, Clara was Brock and Roman. Yeah, where, and then Orton Seth and Seth was really good in. too. Um, that one was okay, I guess. I I don't know. I I have to be looking Triple at H. it. To... Yeah, that one's not bad. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, it had Taker and Wyatt. Oh boy, <laughs> gross. I don't even remember that. Match, don't. Honestly. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um. But yeah, but your your point is stance. I mean, WrestleMania is, hasn't been a good show in a long time. It's a spectacle. And I haven't even gone into it in recent years hoping for a good show. I've gone into it just sitting back and 
and expecting a spectacle. And, you know, um, I think that's the best way really to approach modern WrestleManias. But you, I think the point you're trying to make is you can't have a spectacle in an empty performance center. It's, or will you? That's what I mean. Like, that's the fascinating part. Will they? Will there be 5,000 pyro, you know, things going off? And then a, a live performer doing, you know, God, America the Beautiful or whatever. And, and, and like, you know, people doing concerts and the New Day throwing out pancakes. Like, can they adjust what WrestleMania is that much? I don't think they're going to bring in outsiders, but I do think the rest of that stuff they're going to attempt. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what's going to be the fascinating part about it. And it's going to fall on its face and look utterly ridiculous. And that's why I'm looking forward to it. And I know they're going to try a bunch of bells and whistles like Cena and Bray Wyatt is going to basically be a mini movie. They're not going to get in the ring and do an exchange side headlocks. Um, it's going to kind of be like that Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton thing in the fucking empty house. Remember that nonsense? Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it'll be something like that. Um, you know, and I think that they'll get creative with some of the other matches, too, because they can't. I think that they know that they can't give people two straight days of Rhea Ripley doing an arm drag in an empty building. I they, they can't. I mean, it's going to be a disaster. So they're going to get creative in every way that they're able to get creative. So I'm looking forward to it. There's no way I'm going to like. I I'm not going in with a closed mind, but based on what we've seen. And based on the fact that I already don't really like the company very much and I'm not invested in the company and based on the way they've presented their wrestling to this point, I don't see any way I'm going to come away from it thinking, wow, I really enjoyed that. But I could easily come away with it thinking that was so fun bad mm-hmm. that that just fucking I, – I, I've got a – I've had a smile on my face for two days because this was so atrociously awful that it delved Pass the line into fun bed. That absolutely can happen. Right, and that and that's a big reason why when last week in our discussion about like should you do WrestleMania now, should you call it something different? To me, I would care if I'm that company and I'm Vince McMahon or I'm whatever, I care so much about the brand name of WrestleMania that I don't want whatever is gonna happen in two weeks from now to be attached to that brand, to be attached to WrestleMania forever. Is that there will always be this sort of crimson letter on, you know, or scarlet letter on on this um, crimson letter? We were, we were talking about crimson earlier <laughs> for the wrestler, right? That's why. I, yeah. Anyway, yeah. scarlet letter uh, is, is like you're always going to remember that one fucking horrendous WrestleMania in front of no crowd. You know what I mean? Like that that you can't escape that lineage when you go through the years and talk about the years of WrestleMania. Oh yeah, when there's WrestleMania 34, and then this happened during that, and then oh yeah, there was the WrestleMania. There was no crowd, and it was really terrible, and it was really like. To me, I don't. I wouldn't sully the brand that way. If you want to blow these things off and call this whatever, call it WrestleFest or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, to call it something else. But the idea that you've sunk almost forty years into WrestleMania and now you're going to just throw this show on here—it's just going to be this thing that's kind of weird and, and and clunky or whatever. I hate it. I hate this idea of it. And like you said, I I am fully expecting it to be fun, bad, to be just utterly ridiculous and just like, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this. And if it reaches that point, then at least it'll be somewhat entertaining. It'll be fun to watch or whatever. The downside of that, though, is from 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 that company standpoint, is that you now have branded that, labeled it, stamped it. That is WrestleMania. That is a part of the WrestleMania lineage forever. And that's if I'm them, that's not a risk I want to take. That's not what I want to do. That's not what I want my WrestleMania to be. And 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 yeah, there's the bravado of oh well, we didn't cancel, we didn't do that sort of stuff. But I mean, what percent chances is it that this show is like super entertaining and really good? It, I mean, come on, honestly. Let's think about what they've done so far, what they produced so far. Do you honestly believe that people are going to sit down and in earnest be like, that was hell. Joe, that was a great show. I'm really glad I watched that WrestleMania. I mean, 
come on, the, the, the percent is going to be very low to that. It's just not going to be. We know it. it it's uh, under all the circumstances, it, it, it'd be a, a minor miracle for it to be that way. And that to me, I just I wouldn't solely the WrestleMania name that way because it, 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 it is going to be that. It's going to be fun bad. It's going to be kind of a disaster. And I think they're going to kind of get laughed at more and they, they're going to get like Vince. Want, I, we know what Vince wants. We know what everybody wants. They want the bravado and the and the the the. the you know, advertisement and all this sort of stuff. Oh, they they didn't let Wrestle, you know, WrestleMania stops for nobody. It will go on no matter what or whatever. But I really do think that more people are just going to probably point and laugh at it when it's done. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you've seen segments from Raw and SmackDown and, and, and stuff. They've gone viral over the last few weeks because people are just laughing at it. Like, look how goofy these guys look. Look how stupid this is. Yeah. You know the Stone Cold thing with Byron Saxton that that started blowing up into into other weird ways. The John Cena Bray Wyatt thing was blowing up uh, in, in in different ways outside of the wrestling universe. Where people are looking at this and going, "This is the goofiest fucking shit I've ever seen." And now you're getting Gronk in there, so now you're gonna have you know what they want is the mainstream appeal. The hey, look here, here's football star Rob Gronkowski, but there he is, you know, gyrating and 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 dancing when there's no one in the audience, and it's just gonna look weird, right? Yes. And Agree. They're gonna get pointed and laughed at. I mean, I I know that's not what they want, but I, it's it's it, it, like you said, fascinating show when it comes up. Like I don't want to watch it, but I know I'm gonna watch it because it's gonna be it's gonna be a study of pro wrestling. It's gonna be a study of just like yeah, it, it's it's gonna be history in the making, no matter what, no matter what it's gonna be. But man, ugh. yeah, get ready. It's all we're gonna have to talk about for like three straight weeks. <laughs> I know. So I guess we should talk about Dynamite. Um, there will be no Thursday TV reviews this week uh, for subscribers, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Uh, basically, we've been doing the flagship when I record that show. So um, it kind of is taking over that time slot. Plus, the ratings aren't all that relevant. Um, I'm not someone who's completely hand-waving the ratings. I don't think they're completely unimportant, but it's kind of harder to break the ratings down. And that's a big part of the Thursday TV reviews. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, there's not as much juice there when it comes to the ratings. And, um, you know, and last week we ended up talking a lot about, you know, the, the dynamite in the, uh, in the empty building anyway. So it felt redundant for me to then do a Thursday T Thursday TV reviews later that night or the next day or whatever. So I'm going to handle it the same way this week. Cause rich and I are going to talk in depth about dynamite and then, um, you know, I'm going to run through NXT since uh, he didn't watch it yet. But, um, but yeah, so so Dynamite. I guess, you know, we need to talk about this closing segment with Matt Hardy. And I guess just to sum up my feelings on it is, look, I'm not mad. I'm not going to sit here and yell and scream. I know that's probably what people want. I'm disappointed. I'm like a parent that's disappointed in their kid. Not mad, but disappointed. Which is worse, by the way. Which is way worse. And, you know, and people can call it an overreaction if they want. And that's fine. Um, you know, you're entitled to your opinion of my opinion here. But if they continue down this road where Matt Hardy is a literal wizard with magical powers, it sucks a lot of the enthusiasm out of AEW for me personally. It doesn't mean I'm going to go stop watching the, the, the shows. It doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, totally give up on it, but it does mean that I'm far less into them as a promotion and it totally removes all the enthusiasm I have for them as a promotion because that is not something 
that I have ever enjoyed in my wrestling. And I am nothing if not consistent. Uh, did I not totally hand wave Lucha Underground because of that stuff? Yes or no? Yes. Did I? The receipts are there, I, by the way, for anybody who wants to go back. Yeah. Have I, Did I not rip Broken Hardy the first time around? An impact four years ago. They did, and I think a lot of people will be surprised by that. But go back into the archives. You and I, we, we, you and I said that while mildly enjoyable, maybe in the moment, that a it's a bad idea. It's kind of. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. So, so put a pin in this because I do want to talk about the impact Broken Hardy versus this Broken Hardy in, in a bit, though. But yeah, at the same time, we said, okay, this is you know fun and good or whatever the hell it's going to be. But what's the long term ramifications of this? And then when the ratings came out and there was no movement and nothing was really happening, and we were like, okay, well, you know, everyone's saying, oh, this is the biggest thing in wrestling, but it wasn't drawing any money and it wasn't getting any more people to buy. Or watch Impact. So, you know, what worth was it? So, no. You, and from a content standpoint, no. You were not into the Broken Hearty stuff in the beginning. In real time, that was a very unpopular take from this from this show. That the Broken Hearty stuff was stupid. Um, and it was very unpopular when we suggested that it wouldn't have a long shelf life. It popped one rating and had monstrous diminishing returns from there. We studied it every week, Rich. Because we were pounding that one because we were the only ones making that argument. And we were attacked from all sides, and we turned out to be right. So uh, do, have I not buried the Fiend from day one? Oh, yes. <laughs> have I ever, in the eight years we've been doing this show, any time it has come up, claimed that I was ever an Undertaker fan? You have not. You've, you've, you, more, more than anything, just gotten mad at me for as me being an 11-year-old enjoying The Undertaker, which is fair. But, Not yeah. even. I mean, look, I get why 11-year-olds enjoy The Undertaker, yeah. which kind of plays into this. It's like, but I, if nothing else, have been nothing but consistent when it comes to this stuff. Right. You don't want monsters, magic, goofy guys, deaths, you know, Mysticism. monsters eating people. Yeah. That... Yeah. I have no interest in Jeff Cobb eating his opponents in Lucha Underground or Drago being a literal dragon or fucking The Fiend. I have, I have always been consistent in that. I didn't even like The Undertaker when I was a kid. I was grumpy as a child. I didn't even like that shit. I thought it was stupid. You know, I hated, hated that 1994 Royal Rumble. When he <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, so, you, you just want the Killer Bees and the Heart Foundation to have a really good, solid 18-minute TV wrestling match. That's all Joe Land's ever wanted. Yeah. I mean, for, for, that's all I've ever wanted. And, and for some reason, the first thing that people revert to if you bury something in wrestling that just goes beyond the limits of suspension of disbelief is, well, what about the dead zombie man? You're okay with that? No, no, I'm not. And I also, never have been. Not, I not never to interrupt. And, <laughs> and, and it was 1990. 1990. Okay. So maybe when someone was 10 years old in 1990, they were okay with the undertaker. That person's 40 now. And maybe they're not okay with the undertaker now. You ever think about that? And and it was 1990. Time and place matters. Time and place matters. If Broken Matt Hardy was in Lucha Underground, Rich, I w we wouldn't be doing this rant today. Right, the universe matters a lot. We're going to talk a lot about wrestling universes here in a little bit, for sure. And here's the thing. I can make the choice not to watch Lucha Underground because I already know what that universe is, and I don't like it. And by the way, neither did anybody else because nobody watched it. Okay. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it too. It failed because it stinks because people don't like that shit. Okay? And, and here's another thing. It's it, 
lost my train of thought. Well, I was going to say here real quick. I'm going to yell and scream, and I'm yelling and screaming. <laughs> one sec, can I give, let me give one thing. I do enjoy that, regardless if you like The Undertaker or not or, or anything. The idea that people go back to that. Forgetting that along the way of The Undertaker, before and after, during... 1990, 10 years before that, 10 years after that, 20 years after that, the list of supernatural characters that that arrived and died and went away and never got hurt from again or abject disasters or have Russell crap entries or whatever, the list is endless. And there's one guy that emerged, The Undertaker. You know, like people always bring that one up as if he is not, you know, he's the outlier. The Undertaker is the outlier. The the zombie dead mortician guy is the outlier of, of, of supernatural characters in processing history. Very few have, have achieved what he achieved. He somehow broke through. He somehow was able to do whatever, regardless of how it happened or whatever. But bringing him up is, is is it's just a logical fallacy because, like, okay, in that year alone, you have Oz. Where the fuck did Oz go? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oz went away. He went away. You know, in 1990, he had the gobbledygooker and Oz and, and, and all his bullshit. And Papa Shango was a few years after that. And all these, like, there are a list, a litany of, of guys that arrived and disappeared and now are Russell Cap entries that are supernatural characters. So bring up The Undertaker. Is it's just not? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. You picked out the one guy that actually emerged that was that style that that actually t- stood the test of time. The one. My blood pressure's up. I can't. <laughs> don't do that. You don't want to do that. Come on. I wasn't going. I didn't even. The hospitals are crowded, man. They don't have time for. They don't have time to deal with your shit. So I didn't want to yell and scream about this, but I'm so tired of this fucking Undertaker comparison. I don't even like the Undertaker. I've never liked the Undertaker. Hey, here, here, for everybody. The Undertaker fucking sucks too, okay? How many times <laughs> do I have to say it? That is a Joe Lanz opinion, by the way. I, I like The Undertaker still, but that's all right. Yeah, but has that not always been my oh, opinion? It's, been, it's always been your stance. Yeah, that's fine. How is that not consistent? I've never liked... When have I ever liked this fucking spooky bullshit? Now listen. And, and, and listen, in all seriousness, we've Rich, we've talked about this a million times. If you came to pro wrestling through comic books... Or through video games, and you enjoy Lucha Underground or Chikara, I get it. There's wrestling out there for everyone. I just don't watch it or talk about. Right, and unfortunately, all your companies are out of business too. But that's all right. But go on. But it's like, no, I'm not even. You know, I already took my shot. I'm not going to take <laughs> shots anymore. My point here is, there is wrestling for everyone, and I I totally get why someone who enjoys wrestling for those aspects of it would enjoy something like Lucha Underground or Chikara or broken Matt Hardy, or fucking Undertaker shooting lightning bolts from his fingers, or any of that bullshit. I I get it. But why is it not okay that that's not for me? Why is it that these people always act like, like it's, it's, like I'm saying it's okay if you like that. I've never said, you shouldn't like that stuff, or it's killing the business, or I've never gone down that road ever. I think there's room for all of this stuff in wrestling, but why is it if you express that you don't like that style of wrestling, people come at you like you're a horrible person? I, that part of it I don't understand. A lot of it is because of Jim Cornette. There's no question a lot of it is because of Jim Cornette. An unfortunate byproduct of Jim Cornette is because Jim Cornette is such a fucking asshole. Now, if you, if you don't like something in wrestling, you automatically get compared to Jim Cornette. Rich, am I out here saying that Matt Hardy is going to kill the business? Am I out here saying that Matt Hardy should trip on the top rope and break his neck? You're right. Like Jim, do you want, yeah, like, do you, you want like him to Jim get Cornette run over by a car? Yeah, yeah. Or some bullshit. Yeah, get out of here. Jim, Jim Cornette said that he hopes Orange Cassidy splits his skull open and bleeds out and dies. I mean, 
don't compare that to Jim Cornette. Don't compare people to Jim Cornette because a fucking ma- a w- dirty wizard who does magic is too far for your suspension of disbelief is not analogous to Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette thinks doing too many high spots is killing the business. I mean, can we stop with that stuff? Stop comparing people to Jim Cornette. It's, I think it's perfectly reasonable for someone to be put off by fucking wacky magic in pro wrestling. I don't think that's... Is that really beyond the pale? It's really not. And what's going to be interesting, too, is later in the show, for people that, that want receipts and immediate receipts or whatever, I'm going to put over a match that was absolutely goofy and and, and, and silly, the, the social distance match, which Jim Cornette blew a fucking gasket about the other day. But it, it's all about the universe. It's all about the the, the, the the scene and the setting. And like you said, the time and the context is all that matters here. And a big reason why... That, you know, I watched the Matt Hardy thing today, and 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 I kind of came away with similar thoughts to you and, and, and similar complaints, and I'll, I'll let you kind of have the floor when, when you talk about the stuff that really stood out to you. But what's the weirdest thing is that AEW for an hour and 45 minutes was this very realistic wrestling show that, that had some funny vi- – that had some vignettes that were a little over the top or whatever, but everybody was human beings. Everybody was normal humans. They were a little weird. They might have their own little motivations or whatever, but the universe was that these are, are, are men that are wrestling, that are doing – you know what I mean? Like it, it, we, we know the established AEW universe, and then you have a guy who can can transport and meditate and, and or, or levitate, not meditate, <laughs> transport and, and, and has magic and is, is – you know, that sort of – and it's like, all right, well – then what do I think? What do you think of the other stuff? Like what? What's the you know what? How do I then take all the other stuff seriously? If now all of a sudden there's a guy that can do magic in this company, what what's the universe now? What 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 am I supposed to believe? Like what? And that and that's important. People might roll their eyes at that and say, oh, well, you know, who cares, right? That sort of stuff. But that's the thing that we're saying. Lucha Underground. I don't have to like it, but at least I understand that's their universe. Is that Matanza can eat people? Okay, whatever. I'm not going to watch it anymore. But that's their universe. The universe of AEW has not been that so far, regardless of what the Dark Order's been, which has been a lot of bullshit and a lot of annoying stuff. At the end of the day, there was never, like, now you're getting into the mystical. Now you're getting into a man that can can literally bend time and 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 move without, you know, movement and 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 transport from one scene to the other and all this sort of – and that is, like, okay, now what 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 are we doing here? What's going on now? And I don't even have a criticism of his promo. Like, well, we'll talk about that. There's some stuff that I didn't love about the promo and, and, and love about that, but everything – after he gets to the ring is like whatever it it's it's annoying and it, it what but like the the levitating the appearing out of nowhere that sort of stuff that is a bridge too far for me as well because it's like okay what is this universe now then what what are we doing here because if this Here's is what it's going to be if we got if we got for an hour and 50 minutes of dudes trying to prove that they're better and want to win championships and then there's now a, a a scary crazy magician guy there like what are we doing now you you you, you nailed it right there and and honestly while I have no use for Matt Hardy, and I've been consistent in that as well, I have no use for Matt Hardy, but I advocated for AEW to bring him in. I've done it behind the paywall. I don't recall if I've done it on this show because we really haven't talked about it on this show. I've done it on Twitter. I've done it in many places. Just because it's not for me, I recognize that it's probably smart business to, to hire him and bring him in and use him. And while I have no use for his promo style or his character, okay – you, you nailed something in what you just said there, which is the essence of the problem for me. Where it goes beyond the pale and crosses the line for me is when he starts doing magic. I can't, that is what I cannot accept. That is where you completely lose me. When your pro wrestlers start doing magic, that crosses my personal line of kayfabe. I cannot do it. And you will lose me. And if he is a prominent character and continues to be a wizard, like Chris Jericho said he was, during that horrible closing segment... Where Chris Jericho's on his back and he goes, wow, you really are a wizard. Rich, could I? Could you cringe any harder? I mean, this guy's doing magic tricks 
that's where you lose me. I can live with the goofy promos. I can live with the goofy character. I, I don't have to like it, but I can live with it because mm-hmm. I don't have to love everything on the show. I don't love everything on the show. Who's been a harsher critic of the Dark Order than we have? Okay? And oddly, they turned the corner on that this week, and we're going to talk about that. But who's been a harsher critic of the Dark Order than we have? For many of the same reasons that we're a harsh critic of this. Mm-hmm. But where, where they lose me is when it becomes mystical and magical. That's where you lose me. If Matt Hardy was just this delusional guy who was a crazy man who thinks that he's a wizard. Yeah, and put a, put a pin in that because I do want to follow up. But let, let finish your point. Yeah, if he's just some crazy guy who's lost in his own reality, I can deal with it. But once he literally starts doing magic and starts teleporting, that is at the point where last night I literally threw my hands at the screen and said, I can't do this. This is not for me. And I don't understand why it's such an awful take for that for that not to be. Look, there's all kinds of wrestling. That kind of wrestling is not for me and never, ever will be. And it'd be one thing if it was in its own universe like you've laid out. Then I could ignore the whole universe. And I did. I didn't watch Lucha Underground. I stopped watching Chikara. That shit wasn't for me. If it was for you, great. Okay. And I'm not someone, I'm not sitting here advocating for everything to be rings or fucking Shuto or Pancras. You know that's not me. I can deal with some silliness. I cannot deal with magical powers. And I've been consistent with that since I was fucking 10 years old. I didn't like it. I don't like it now because I didn't come to wrestling through comic books or video games. I came to wrestling through sports. And we've talked about this, this a million times. You come to wrestling from different places. If you come to it through sports, this kind of stuff's going to turn you off. And, and I am disappointed in AEW. I can't believe Tony Khan put this on his TV. I, 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 I cannot believe that he will push forward and continue and allow it on his TV moving forward. He has to know it was a mistake. Um, I'd be very disappointed if not. Because – the magic and the mysticism and all this bullshit does not fit the rest, the tone of the rest of the promotion. Mm-hmm. You can't give me win loss records and rankings and people getting title shots based off of that. And Kenny Omega broken. talking about how he wants the gold on his, uh, you know, or, or Cody and, and Kenny talking about the gold on their match graphics that lets you know that they're a champion and everybody wants that because it, it lets you know you're a champion. You can't have all that. was 20 that. minutes before that. <laughs> before That's we right. had a guy teleporting. Yeah. You can't have Cody doing fucking territory shit because he loved you. You can't have all of that on the show and then have Matt Hardy doing magic tricks. It does not work. You have to figure out what you are. And, and by the way, not to interrupt, but it would be the same on TV shows as well. You know, if you're watching ER and all of a sudden fucking George Clooney, you know, like teleports to another room, it'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? And and, and, and a a valid argument for that would not be, well, you liked Charmed, so (laughs) how come you don't like it when George Clooney fucking waves a magic wand? Because it's a different fucking universe, dummy. That's, again, I'm telling you right now, anyone who comes at me with that Undertaker shit is now blocked on fucking sight because you're stupid. You, you cannot be more stupid. At Voices Wrestling, by the way, if you want to get blocked. So, at Voices yes. Wrestling. That, that automatically is a signal that you're a stupid, brain-dead human being if you come at me with that Undertaker argument. 
And I'm so glad you brought that up because my I, I was going to do the same bit, except I was going to use Sopranos or The Wire or something. Yeah, I don't, don't ask me why I use ER of all the shows. Hey, listen, ER is a good one. You brought up the Clooney. It might be a little dated. But could, <laughs> a little, you imagine, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. could you imagine if just in the middle of fucking season three of The Wire, if Omar all of a sudden was a fucking – was a mage and started fucking using magic to sell fucking drugs and and somebody actually defended it by saying you know that well uh you watch buffy the vampire slayer and yeah i mean it's fucking that's what the undertaker argument is you fucking idiots aw does not have magic if this were wwe i'd still bury it but i'd understand i understand why they do the fiend because they fucking suck that's why I'm disappointed by this because this company has not shown that they're going to do dumb shit like this. It doesn't fit their universe. I mean, for God's sake, it, it, come on with the Undertaker shit. I got to mute again. I got to walk around. <laughs> I'm enjoying this Omar as a mage thing. That That's pretty be pretty fun. Uh, season three of The Wire. But... Omar, Omar coming with his magic wand. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> but the smoke goes up in the air. They're like, oh, God. Like, Plumes of fire come out of nowhere. Like, oh, I mean, if, if Matt Hardy can fucking teleport, then what's the point of even having a re- – why doesn't he just teleport away when he's about to get hit with the fucking Judas effect? Why doesn't he just fucking magically just kill his opponent? I mean, I th- this is what I'm saying with the right, magic. Yeah, the, the logic gaps. Now you've opened up a, a Pandora's box of, like, logic gaps that you can now decide that you want to make or whatever. And, and that's, that's it's dangerous. Just a bridge too far for yeah. me. And I'm telling you right now. I'll take it a step further. It's going to be a bridge too far for a lot of people. Those live AEW crowds will eat it up. I have no, I have full confidence in that. But here's the thing, Rich. They would eat it up without the fucking magic. You don't need him to be doing magic trick. All he has to do is get in there and say delete. That's the act. Right. And that's, and that's what I was going to say. I wanted to put a pin in like the, the TNA comment yeah, earlier. No, because no, cause honestly, TNA probably did it the best of anybody because they told the story of this man mentally breaking down this man that they had seen for years and years and that was just a normal guy mentally he had a mental breakdown and he became whatever broken matt hardy was and the original sort of broken matt hardy vignettes or whatever was just a delusional maniac on his compound with a fucking drone or whatever and that's what and that is fine that is not a bridge too far that is perfectly okay with me because we had you know the, the Brody lee stuff this week is is not necessarily mystical, but it's like it's over the top. It's but that's wrestling. Like no one's gonna ever complain about that because it's not utter. He's not not a human. Brody Lee is a human being. You know what I mean? Like the guys he was talking, he was just an over the top human being. And that's what bro- broken Matt Hardy when the the original story got told was this is a guy that you're all aware of. You know who Matt Hardy is. He was perfectly normal. Now something broke in this man, and this is what he is. He's turned into this guy. And he's got his wife playing a piano, and he's got his gardener fucking around. He's inviting the Rock and Roll Express over to his house. But all that, nothing, none of that was otherworldly. All that stuff was just like, this is a man who's clearly lost his mind. And that's a fine story to tell. It's okay. I, don't, I didn't love it at the time, but it was a fine story to tell. That was the story. Now you have Matt Hardy just dropping into AEW. The assumption is, oh, hey, it's broken Matt Hardy. Hey, it's, it's this guy with the, without any context of why this man is broken down, why he's the way he is, what he, you know, any of that sort of stuff. And if they're assuming, hey, you know, broken Matt Hardy is, you're watching our show, that's fine. But you got to think of the people that watch, you know, NBA and hear Marv Albert plug AEW and now tune in and see this guy. Like, imagine that fan and what they're thinking after watching this. That, 
you know, they were watching the fucking Pelicans and the and the Mavericks two weeks ago, and 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 Marv Albert said, "Our Chris Jericho at AEW this Thursday or whatever." So now they started watching AEW, and now they have this man with no context. Here's this guy that can teleport and do this sort of stuff, and is a magician and all and and and, and whatever. Again, it's it's without any context and without the story of this man mentally breaking down and with him literally being a magician and literally being able to transport and teleport and that sort of stuff, that is where it's gone too far. If you want to tell, again, if the story is that Broken Matt Hardy had a, had a mental breakdown and he was a weirdo and he talks weird and he says delete and he's kind of delusional because they kind of did that in the, in the promo. Honestly, Jericho tried to get to that story a lot. He goes, man, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know what's wrong with you or whatever, but like this is the real world. This is AW. This is, you know, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that Chris Jericho tried to at least get it somewhat to, okay, this is a guy in front of me that's Matt Hardy. I know who you are. Why are you acting this way? Which is fine. That's okay. I'm okay with that sort of stuff if that's going to be the story with Matt Hardy. I don't love it. I don't have a ton of use for it, but that's the story. When you start doing that, I'm a magician, and I can teleport, and I can do this sort of stuff, and I can do magic, and that that's where it becomes, okay, this, this, this ceases to become Matt Hardy, the human, versus Chris Jericho, the human, and now it's something altogether different. And... The juxtaposition of Chris Jericho being this normal human being that says, I know who you are. I know what you're doing. You know, what, what's wrong with you? Also, while this guy's teleport, it just it, it doesn't work. As we said, the universe, it doesn't work for it. It is the wire. It is Omar becoming a mage. It's George Clooney healing somebody with his eyes. or You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 you lose that. You lose the, what, what the, 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 the chain is, what, what it all is. And you yeah. break that chain and you open that Pandora's box of like, okay. What the hell is this? And 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 you can tell the story of Broken Matt Hardy. Absolutely. And they did it for 75% of the segment, but there was just those little things that happened in it that's like, okay, this is if if this is what it's going to be, if it's going to be this direction, I'm the same as you. It's not like I'm going to stop watching AEW, but I'm definitely going to think less of the company because they allowed Listen, this on their TV. House had a different reality than ER did, and they're both doctor shows. You know, it's it's that's the key here. You know, and some people liked House and some people liked ER. Maybe there were some people who liked both. But, you know, nobody wanted the doctor from House to show up on ER and start, you know, doing magic tricks. It's it's not unreasonable at all. And and the problem here is this isn't the tone or the context of AEW. And if this is what they're going to be, then they're no different than Raw. And we had the same discussion about Dark Order. It's no different than Raw to me. And then at that point... That is why, circling all the way back to the top of the segment, I will lose my enthusiasm for AEW. Doesn't mean I'm just going to completely ignore it. No, because there's a lot of things about it I like. And those things won't change. But my enthusiasm for those things will. Because I know that looming over is not only this dopey wizard character, but the possibility that if they're okay with that, then they're okay with more of that moving forward. That's the other thing, too. I will no longer trust AEW. Why am I going to invest... And myself and get super invested in a promotion when at any moment, you know, Bray Wyatt can get fired from WWE and moonwalk in as the fiend. I'm not interested in that. I don't like that. And if you're willing to do Matt Hardy as a fucking wizard, then you're willing to do anything. Uh, you, you've, you've changed the entire uh, infrastructure of your own reality and your environment and your universe. And it's, it, it's, it's what I have never liked as a fan. So, no, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm going to make some weird, uh, emotionally immature decision, decision to just hand wave the company entirely. Of course not. But 
am I going to be if you know super invested in it as you know as much as I may have been before that segment? I have to be honest, Rich. I won't be. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just another dopey wrestling company that's blowing it and and not delivering something different because that's a lot of the same. That's a lot of the same. You're just you, you, you're you know, and it, and it's such a shame because I think. The dark order pivot. The dark order pivot this week, and not even a pivot. This was probably the plan all along, and my plan was to do audio this week and totally eat shit and eat all of my words on the dark order and talk about how brilliant this has all come together. Where now it appears that the dark order is just a dark version of what. WWE represents in wrestling, right? And how Brody Lee is sort of this Vince McMahon-like figure, and it's not even subtle. They're not even trying to be subtle. No, the steak, the sneeze, the yeah. the, the suit jacket he was wearing, the color of the suit jacket, the tie, and the color of the tie, yeah, everything. Yeah, was... And and last week he just directly referenced them. He said, "You're not, you won't be the first fucking old washed-up man who doesn't believe in me." And it's like this is the whole essence of this is like a dark parody of WWE. Not parody. Parody is not the right word. Sort of a a macabre vision of what WWE represents in the wrestling business as a whole. You're going to do that. And then an hour later, you're going to do WWE bullshit. Man, that's disappointing. It's so disappointing because the Dark Order stuff the last two weeks has been so brilliant. To the point where they turn, I, they've managed to turn to have me turn the corner on it, and and you know it's the one thing in the company I really didn't like. And then an hour later, they just piss it all away with this nonsense. With it's it's nonsense, nonsense that by the way, and, and I want to be nuanced here. It has never drawn money. It has been great for Matt Hardy's career. And I want to make that distinction. Matt Hardy completely reinvented himself and he got himself booked in every indie in the country. He got himself a nice ROH run on top. Um, he parlayed that in, he parlayed this character into a lucrative WWE contract for the last three years. But the gimmick itself, as we talked about at the top, one big number for impact, everybody watched that week, laughed at it, not with it. And then never watched Impact again. Right. There was maybe the ROH weekend, if you want to credit the, the, the WrestleMania weekend show. If you want that's to give fair. him some credit to that, that's fine, too. But here's the thing. Did that character draw that? Or was it just the idea that now the Hardys were feuding? The Hardys the versus the Bucks. ROH yeah, right, right. That, you know what I mean? So I'm not even, But you know what? I don't want to split hairs. Give, it, give him that one. You can have I'm that one, too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you can have that one, too. And at the time, it was the biggest gate ROH ever drew. I will never dispute that this character is bad for Matt Hardy. What I will dispute is that it's a super popular gimmick that, look, it did nothing for Impact. And you can't even use the argument, well, nothing can do nothing for Impact. Well, here's the thing. It did for one week. It got a bunch of new eyeballs for one week, and those people didn't stick with it. If this was some transcendent, business-changing gimmick, people would have stuck with it. Am I right or am I I off base here? No, absolutely. This is a thing that it's like – it's it, you know it's an SNL skit that runs too long is what it is. 
and 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 it's the same kind of diminishing returns. It's an SNL character getting over on the show, and then you make a movie and the movie bombs. You know what Matt Hardy is? Are you going to say the ladies matter? <laughs> Matt Hardy is it's Pat. It's Pat. That's yeah. I was wondering if you're going to go ladies man, Night at the Roxbury, or, uh, or hey, take uh, your pick, Stuart Smalley. You know Stuart <laughs> Smalley had a movie? Right. No. Yeah, everyone remembers the, the Michael Jordan sketch because it's a classic. I mean, the whole idea that Michael Jordan, look, I don't have to explain it. It's fucking hilarious. Go YouTube it. Okay? But then you, you don't make a Stuart Smalley movie. You know? It, it, it's, did, Mango, it's did Mango ever get a movie? I don't think so, right? It's funny for three minutes. <laughs> right. It's not funny for two hours. I can't believe there's a Stuart Smalley movie. Man. Is it bad? You know? How terrible is it? It's got to be really, really bad, right? How, hey, hey, how you can't do it's Pat. Oh, the wokes aren't going to like that one, Rich. You can't do it's Pat in 2020. I mean, that's a character. That, oh no, yeah, it's, it's Pat is done. <laughs> it's is Pat. Done. Forget it. It's Pat is canceled. Um, you know, delete, delete. It's Pat. But fucking, that's what that's what Broken Matt Hardy is. You know, it's 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 a it's a fucking five minute joke that he has wisely used. To reinvigorate his career. Where would Matt Hardy be without that character? That's why you have to have some nuance here. I'll mm-hmm. tell you where he wouldn't be on Dynamite this week. That's where he wouldn't be. I mean, saved his like, career. he probably wouldn't be able to walk right now, given where his body was at, too. He's, he's basically been able to, to do a few bumps a year now. <laughs> just sit in the ring and, and play funny music and, and scream to lead. So it's good for him, for sure. Oh, the smartest thing he ever did was the, delete thing, was the delete thing in the crowd. Because now... Every crowd wants to have fun and do the delete. And I'm not ripping the fans for that. It's fucking, you go to a show, you buy a ticket, you get drunk, you scream delete, and you wave your fucking arm. It's fun. That's fine. I stand back by the wall like a grump. You you have fun. I advocate for fans all the time doing whatever they want in these fucking buildings. But it's like that was, that was smart because it, it makes it look like this thing is more over than it is. And listen, if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. If Matt Hardy versus Chris Jericho does two and a half million pay-per-view buys – you don't think I'll come on here and fucking admit I'm, I was about to come on here and admit I was wrong about the Dark Order. Right. After saying that you will never turn the corner. That I will never turn order. the corner on the Dark Order. And I was going to come on here and I was going to – I had this whole bit planned where I make a jackass out of myself and I'm self-deprecating. Rich, you know the deal here. I, you know, I do this fucking pompous act, but who's more self-deprecating than I am? We have fun here. And I was going to shit on myself. For 45 minutes, I, I had a whole bit planned. That went out the window when Chris Jericho is calling Matt Hardy a wizard. I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? And you know the sad part is Chris Jericho fucking killed it up until that point. I was – listen. Well, that's what I was saying. The Chris, entire promo, he's trying to reel things back into reality. Hey, you're Matt Hardy. I've known you for 30 years. You know, you. I don't know what you're doing here, Matt. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know what's wrong with you. But this is our. This is AEW, man, and I run the show. And it, 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 So he, every single time, Matt Hardy would do his like, oh, the making of pain, ah, rah, rah, and, and Chris would bring it right back every single time. And I was like, here we go. That's good. That's good. That's good. And then the, oh, so you really are a magician. I was just like, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, here's the thing. Again, my my one and only issue with the entire thing is that he did magic. I thought Chris Jer- Chris Jericho told the, the fucking Chris Jericho told the drone he called a drone a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. If you're not amused by that, I mean, then come on. And only Chris Jericho could pull that off. Rich, who else could pull pull that off? Cutting a promo on a drone 
telling the drone he doesn't like his political views, and then and then calling a drone a piece of shit, and then getting and then telling you, hey, you get back here when it starts flying away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where are you going? I mean, I, get back here. <laughs> I was I I was very amused by that. And Chris Jericho can pull that off. He has the right kind of energy to pull that off. And the whole segment would have been fine without the fucking magic. I can't deal with the teleporting. I can't deal with the creating fire up on the stage. I can't deal with it. I forgot about that. I forgot he did that too. Yes. This is Monday Night Raw now. And I'm sorry, but that's the biggest insult you can throw at these guys. Because that's exactly what they do not want to be. But when they do shit like this, that's what they are. You're Monday Night Raw. You have a fucking – you know what you have? You have an SNL parody Undertaker on your roster. That's what you have. That's what Matt Hardy is. You know, it, it, it's it, – that, that's the hard truth if you continue down this path. So let me ask you. Do they pivot away from sort of the mystical shit or do you think they're going to lean into this? I think they pivot away. Given, given what they – I have confidence that they pivot away. And by the way. As we as we as we're now twelve hours removed from it, as we record this on Thursday, the general consensus is that this sucked. Is that fair to say? People are burying this. It's not just us. Yeah, other than the geeks in our mentions, yeah, pretty much every person that matters doesn't thought I it mean, was thought it was awkward and weird. I, I mean, it's not like this is getting rave reviews, and we're out on an island. We were out on an island with Matt Hardy the first time. We're not out on an island this time. I mean. And I think a lot of it the first time around was people didn't give a shit about impact. You know what I mean? So it's like, who cares? But people kind of care about it. People feel like I do today. They're kind of fucking disappointed in this. Like, not it. Why is AEW doing this? They feel, I feel like AEW is above this. You know what I mean? I thought they were. Yeah, they should be. Yeah. You kind of have this feeling where you're like, oh, come on, guys. You're above this. You don't need to. You know what I mean? It's like, you're better than this. What's what's a worse thing to hear from someone than you're better than this? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that one always sting the most? Oh yeah. Like you ever have a woman be like, "Ugh, Rich, you're better than this," and you're just like, "Oh man, oh, I you thought that her vagina, <laughs> her vagina is gonna be dry for the rest. Of, I forget it. It's over. You know, it's like it's the worst thing you could ever hear from a from it or a parent. Ugh, you're just you're better than this. You know, or someone at work like it's just ugh." AEW, I'm here to tell you. Mid-South Tony, you're better than this. You're better than this. I got to bring back the Mid-South Tony, Rich. Is it unfair? Yeah, no, it's not. It's good. Mid-South Tony, I mean, come on, buddy. You're better than this. Well, there's there's NWA Cody, too. The entire – him on commentary, man. You can – if you don't know that what Cody Rhodes loves in wrestling – Listening to him on commentary, he drops a Magnum TA. He drops a fucking Bobby Eaton reference. Like, he's just – I mean, if you don't know – like what has Cody's fingerprints on it? Like listen to that dude do commentary. You'll know. Cody, Cody will never say it. He hated that. He hated it. I'm sure he with did. with every fiber of his being, he hated that. No, I'm he, telling. He, to be fair, his dad did like Oz and a bunch of bullshit too. But I think he's smarter than that. Uh, too. Cody, he don't like that. I'm telling you, he hated it. I'm telling you, it's. Uh, I, let me put it to you this way. Well, I'm not even going to do it. Forget. You, you, I'll tell you off the air. But he hated it. I'm telling you. Think about it. You, you, he, it's bad. Mid South Tony, come on, man. You know this is. A, he knows it's bad too. And oh, can I address this too? Yeah, go ahead. 
some people are saying that, oh, well, you can't judge any of the TV right now. It's just a tough situation. No, no. That, uh, they get no quarter from me. They are presenting in-canon shows on a weekly basis. Yeah, they're running. They're not saying, hey, we can't run, and here's what we're going to put on instead. Ring of Honor can maybe yeah. get, a, a, get a break because they're like, look, what do you want us to do? No, they're, they're running live, live air quotes, yes. weekly television in-canon. No. <laughs> if they Now, here's the thing. If they had been goofing off the last two weeks and just doing TV for the sake of doing it for contractual obligations and, and they've been being silly, I wouldn't be in on this rant right now. Okay? I have no such rant for the Joey Janela social distancing match. You know why? It's just the out of cannon thing that they did. They're trying to raise money for the wrestlers. What kind of fucking loser would you have to? You know, you'd have to be Jim Cornette you'd to have to be Jim Cornette to, 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 yeah, to threaten and, people for trying to raise money for you know, their friends. Yeah. So. And, and just out there making the best of situation, putting a smile, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, social distance, the whole thing. Now, if AEW for the last two weeks have been out there just having non-canon, they're going out there, they're just doing fun shit. If Matt Hardy came out there and started teleporting it, not only would I not be ripping it, I might have enjoyed it. Again, context matters. They're out there putting on serious, fully in-canon shows. So I'm sorry. No, they don't get a break for this. They don't get a virus break. Uh Uh-uh. Because that's not what the show has been the last two weeks. So I don't want to hear that either. I don't buy that for a second. I shut that down as soon as I see it. So um, just wanted to get your take on that too. No, for for sure. Um, all right. So real quickly, I'm gonna I'm gonna get. Uh, we do have some ratings that came out, so I'll give you those real quick. And then if you want to run down these shows uh, for all a right. bit, so AEW eight hundred nineteen thousand uh, for them. So I think forgot what that is over last week, but it's not a. a no, it's not over. They did. They didn't. They did nine hundred something. That's what I thought. Okay, week. so they're, they're so, down. Um, I, listen, I you know. <laughs> Do we do we do this or do we do we do we... let's wait let's wait a little let's wait a week and then okay we'll... all right because you know I but there it is court... you know listen listen back you know 10, 15 go minutes. Ahead, here. <laughs> yeah here not even go dig up the fucking impact shows from the archive from four years ago and you can you know so anyway we won't do it this week we won't we'll, we'll let them slide this week but uh, AW eight hundred nineteen thousand NXT did not chart uh, they ended up fifty six at six hundred sixty nine thousand okay so here's what's happening that. Um, last week's show destroyed every semblance of momentum. They like it just goes to show what that should tell Tony Khan is do not do a recap show at any point. Present some kind of wrestling, no matter what, if you can, and tape as much as you can, because that has totally killed NXT's momentum. They didn't chart again. I mean, that's crazy. So um, I think last week just 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 they're gonna have to earn people back. Now in two weeks they're doing Gargano Ciampa. So um you know that'll tell you. Now again, a lot of people think the ratings don't mean anything, and that's true. But that doesn't mean there isn't stuff that you can sink your teeth into and analyze. Right. You have to analyze them differently and think about them differently than we did before. Sure. But they're still worth looking at and, and, and talking about. Here's why they don't matter. They don't matter from the perspective USA isn't going to hold their feet to the fire for this because they get it. Uh, TNT isn't going to hold their feet to the fire if they do poorly because they get it. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't analyze the ratings and, and understand why they either went up or down, uh, especially once we get a couple weeks into the, into the thing and this is established as the new normal. Okay, we understand people are watching the news. We have baselines for that, though, now. So there still are ways to analyze it. 
Um, but yeah, listen, I I would love to sit here and do 20 more minutes and dance on the grave of Broken Matt. But again, that's not fair because what if next week, you know, let's give it a couple weeks. But yeah, I have a exactly. feeling... let, let, let's see what the trends look like. And then we, then we we'll be, be uh, but listen, good. make no mistake. Me and you are going to be fucking. Doing <laughs> We're going to be right again. Yeah. But, so that's fine. We'll... Okay. So um, anyway, so that, you know, ratings come out as a recording. That's, that's good. So uh, you want to run through the shows quickly? Cause yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. Yeah. Cause we got some other stuff to cover today. God uh, damn it. Dragon Gate's going to get cut. No, again. no, 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 no. We're going to do Dragon Gate next. We, we got to do all Japan. We got to do all Japan. Uh, we don't have to. No. Triple gotta... crown title change, Rich. Okay. We're doing Dragon Gate after that, though. We can, we can skip the Acid Cup. I can I can briefly touch on the Acid Cup. but The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, let's do the uh, – so AEW quickly opened up with Cody versus Jimmy Havoc. Rich, I thought this was a pretty decent match. I mean, you know, I'm not running to my notebook, but Jimmy Havoc can always go either way. And I thought Jimmy Havoc was pretty decent here. Jimmy Havoc's a weird wrestler. Like, if you tell me you think Jimmy Havoc's good, my instinct is to argue with you. If you tell me Jimmy Havoc is bad, my instinct is also to argue with you. <laughs> right. it's, it's very weird. Like, where are you on Jimmy Havoc and what do you think of this? Yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm the same way, too, where, like, sometimes I think he's the worst fucking wrestler in the world, and then sometimes I think he's good. And I'm never quite sure what I'm going to feel on what day or whatever. But I thought this was pretty damn good. I enjoyed this match a lot. I thought he was a little bit more of, like, a little more, like, chain wrestling style here, which I thought was was interesting and, and kind of caught me by surprise. But I thought they had a really good little TV match here. And, and, and Cody gets the win pretty definitively at the end. But I thought Havoc also looked good in the fact that, you know, he was able to hang with Cody for a little bit. So, no, I, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would like. You know, Cody versus Jimmy Havoc on paper. I was like, oh, dear God, that sounds awful. But it was pretty solid, actually. I, I think the thing with Havoc is this. I think the reason that no matter what you say about Jimmy Havoc, I'm probably going to want to disagree with you is that sometimes he's good, but the thing is he doesn't have to be good. That's not what Jimmy Havoc is. Jimmy Havoc doesn't have to be uh fucking Brian Danielson. Yeah. He's he can just Jimmy go and Havoc. staple his forehead and nobody's going to, yeah, everyone's going to like it. Him. It's, it's like if he's – I think the thing is it's like when he's bad and sometimes he's bad. Like I don't care because it's Jimmy Havoc and it's like he doesn't have to be good. He's, he, he, I, he's the Sandman. It's the perfect historical comp. Like every now and then the Sandman would shock you with like a great match and you're like, how the fuck? But And then the Sandman would be like really drunk and have a horrible match and it looks like he can't even run the ropes. But you're like, that's the Sandman. I, I don't want the Sandman to be Christopher Daniels and be smooth in the ring. He has to be the sa- same thing with Jimmy Havoc. Like I want him to be a little rough around the edges. That is who Jimmy Havoc is. So then when he's good, it's like a pleasant surprise. And when he's bad, you're like, eh, that's Jimmy. Does that make any sense? It, it does a little bit. Yeah. You, 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 people that don't know the Sandman comp, it's, it's, it's really hard to do. But yeah, you got to be um... – it was a time and a place. Is thing. the Sandman and, comp even good? I mean, if it's here, let me put it to you this way: if the Sandman comp is a bad comp, then tell me because I keep making it, and I don't want to look like an idiot. But do you, like I well, even he, think no, he's a guy. He was the he's the best worst wrestler ever, Sandman, because he was 
terrible. He was so bad. He couldn't do anything. But then at sometimes, he, like you said, there would be like base competency from him, and it was awesome. But it didn't matter when he was really shitty and falling over himself, because while he was falling over himself, he was also hitting you with a cane, and it fucking ruled. Yeah, you know he'd like trip on the ropes, and as he's falling down, he's hitting your head, and you're like, "That fucking rules," because that's what this drunk asshole would do. You know, he just chugged a beer on the way down to the ring and crashed crashed his skull in with it. So yeah, he's probably concussed and he's drunk, and now he doesn't know what he's doing, and that's fine. It's okay. It just doesn't matter if those two guys are good. You know, it's their whole vibe is that they're just fucking street brawlers or whatever from different eras. Like, Sandman is a 1990s South Philadelphia street brawler. Here, you want people and, to get mad at us? Yeah. It's kind of Nick Cage, too. Yeah, yeah, it kind of Because he's not is, good, yeah. but he rules. Yes. But you don't want Nick Cage in there doing, you know, hammer locks and stuff. No, you do not. And he's, you want and Nick Cage yeah. coming out with the music, screaming, fuck you, and then beating the shit out of somebody, even if he's falling over himself and he can't run the ropes. It doesn't matter. And it's like 90% the entrance. Which, again, Sandman. So you're not wrong. And the other thing with Sandman and Havoc is in their home promotions, you just don't get it if you don't get their – like Sandman and ECW, it just it just works. Havoc in progress just worked. You take them out and they lose something. You know, Sandman was never the same outside of ECW. You know, and um, I don't know. I think it's a good comp. But anyway, uh, we move on so we don't have to cut Dragon Gate. Um Darby Allen defeats Kip Sabian. Rich, people get really worked up over Kip Sabian. What's wrong with being a Jag that's just a mid-carter? I don't... Are well, you, the problem you, is this Jag gets like 25 minutes for every one of his matches. Again, this one was like five minutes too long. Yeah. In and out. Like, get, get this guy... Give this guy six minutes in, in and out. Like, I, I'm... I, the base of Kip Sabian, the idea of Kip Sabian, I don't have a problem with. The problem I have is like, for some reason, somebody thinks that this kid needs 15 minutes every time he gets in the ring, and he doesn't. Isn't that an AEW problem, though? Like, don't all their matches go a little too long? I think so. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that kind of ties into a bigger issue. But people get really worked up over Sabian. I I have, like, no feelings on Kip Sabian, which means that, like, I don't know, like, all of a sudden I'm the fan because everyone else is like, this guy doesn't even belong. I mean, geez, you could do a lot worse than this guy. I mean, he's nothing. He's a mid-carter. Yeah, I don't think he's great or anything. But, yeah, if he's he's in the main event, I'm annoyed. But He's unlikable. If he's just a dude that's on the roster and he's got a hot babe or whatever, that's whatever. Who cares? He's just a dude that gets in the ring with his hot babe and then loses. It's, it's fine. Sometimes he wins. Yeah, sure. he's a guy in a he's a guy in, he's a guy in a mid card feud with Joey Janela, and they didn't even put him on the pay per view. So it's not like they think super highly of him. You know, he's a guy that loses to Darby Allen on TV. I, I don't see why people get worked up over this guy, but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Darby wins it with the Last Supper. Now. This is another little AEW thing that I love. They don't always use. He didn't use the fucking backwards dive gimmick. The coffin drop. The coffin drop. Yeah. He didn't need to. He didn't need to. Didn't need to. Why? Because it's mid Carter Kip Sabian, who all of you were worked up over. Okay. Uh, He's a guy who loses to secondary finishers, and you're all worked up over this guy. It would be like getting worked up over. I don't know. Name someone from WCW or WWE that was on TV for years in the mid card and never got moved up. And, um, you know, did, did you get worked up over Brad Armstrong and WCW? No, <laughs> right, you didn't. Right. I, what, what's, the, what's the big deal? I was going to say Prince Ikea, um, but he, he fucking won so many so titles. Darby shit, yeah. Go on. 
Well, yeah, he was clearly overpushed, even <laughs> though those titles didn't mean much. But um, Jake Hager, Jake Hager wins another squash. He won a squash on Dark. Did you watch Dark? Oh, God. No, I did not. I did not. Rich Dark Rule did it. Okay, right. I, it was six. It was six like squash matches, right? It it felt like WCW worldwide. Mm, okay. It was just like you're speaking my language. All that's right, that's the vibe it gave me. Yeah, because it was like squash matches that none of them overstayed their welcome, one after another, no bullshit. And then you got like one or two matches with like lower mid carders. Like they did Colt Cabana versus uh, Kip Sabian. Okay, there you go. He lost again, and everyone's worked up over this guy. And it's like that was such a worldwide match, you know. It was like, you know, watching the Armstrongs wrestle fucking um, disorderly conduct for the 19th time. You <laughs> right. know? Well, a little fucking high I voltage. A, a little high voltage out there. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah. So Jake Hager won a squash on Dark, and now he wishes a squash here over Chico Adams, Rich. What a name. Um, you know, not much to take away from this other than this is a smart way to use Hager. He obviously isn't very good. So you put him out there and just let him destroy guys. And you're building him up for this title match against Mox, which Mox is obviously going to win. And it's a nice little placeholder title match for Mox. So anything to add? Uh, not really. No, I, I, I've wanted for a while Jake Hager to be doing these style of matches. Like I was kind of surprised even at Revolution uh, there live that he didn't just beat Dustin in like two minutes. You know what I mean? Like what, what, do, you, what do you really need yeah. Dustin to be built up for? Like this is how to – this is exactly what you do with Jake Hager. Similar to what they did, you know, what, you know eventually when, when Wardlow gets back up and running again. I'm sure he's going to do these things, build him up for a match against a big guy. Then he's going to lose against that big guy, go back, beat a bunch of guys, build up for a big match against a big guy, and then lose. You know, that, that's, that's wrestling one-on-one. So, no. Yeah, have Hager look like a, a, a dominant monster for a few months and then – or a few weeks or whatever. Then he faces Moxley. He loses. He goes back and he does it. And you can, you can repeat this time and time again. It's, 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 it's one of those old wrestling truisms. So, yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's perfect. Mox brought up taking him out on a stretcher. Are they doing a stretcher match? Mm. God. <laughs> because you can beat because you can beat Hager without pinning him. I think they're doing a stretcher match, uh, Rich. God. Yeah. Ugh. Next was the uh, Dark Order bit with Brody Lee eating the steak. At the- that was a nice-looking steak, by the way. I was starving after you, I saw you think, that steak. I don't think it was that great of a steak. I was a nice looking steak. A little well done to me. It. I think it was a little well done on purpose too. Now that's interesting because I thought it was a little too pink. Hmm. I'll have to go back and, and watch this and study it. Well, how do you take your steak? Me? I, um, I do the medium or, or medium well because I like a little char. I like a little char. See, I'm more of a medium well guy as well. I go well on cheap steak because, look, I know I'm a lunatic, but I like I like when my steak is like shoe leather, and I know that's weird. I yeah, don't you're defend a fucking it. Weirdo, yeah, that's fine. But, t- but listen, if you don't defend it, then <laughs> you can't really knock it. Like, I know it's stupid, um, which is why I buy cheap steak because I I'm just gonna if you're just gonna yeah anyway. if you're just gonna mutilate it like that, you might right. as well just uh... yeah. But if I'm if I'm eating a nice cut of steak, I go medium well. Yeah, people okay. people always give me shit for the medium well, but the reason why I do that is the center of the steak is always going to stay pretty good. But I love yes. the ends. I love the the fat getting a little char on it, getting a little burnt. Yeah. You know, that's what we're yeah. talking about. If you got an, if you go to like a Brazilian steakhouse or something like that, or any any place like that, you want that fat to have a little bit of burn to it. It's a different flavor altogether. Don't understand the rare people. I'm not Gangrel. I don't, 
don't enjoy blood. Yeah, the black and blues um, and those sort of things. It's yeah, it's now horrifying. black and blue. Now listen, the rare people. I don't understand you, and I think you're weird, and I think you're hanging out with fucking, um, you know, vampire warrior. You're Chris but, Wolf, yeah, or you're Chris Wolf. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but the black and blue people, you. You are lunatics. You, I don't want to even know you. <laughs> right? It's so weird. That's just, you know a black and blue guy? I I dated a black and blue girl. Ooh. And we, it's weird. We, we worked at a steakhouse together. And she would, we would eat at the end of the shift. And she would get black and blue. And Rich was horrifying. It was like. Because you know what black and blue is. Yeah, for people that don't know, do you want to do you want to give a, a little idea for people that, that are maybe not steak connoisseurs of what the what the black and blue is? Yeah, it's a raw piece of meat on your plate. It basically <laughs> goes on the it, it it goes on the grill for thirty seconds just as a token gesture. Right, and, and well, then, it's a very hot grill too. So it bur- the outside yes. is is burnt like it is as hot. Yeah, it, it's a really 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 heavy sear on the outside on both sides. Quick little flip, and then it's done. And it's literally cold still on the inside. Yes. Like when you remove a steak from your refrigerator and put your finger on it, that's what it feels like underneath the char. And it's just blood and cold. It's like cold. purple. Yeah, it's weird. And and she's trying to cut it, and it's like almost hard to cut because like the flesh is just moving back and forth. Rich is vile. <laughs> it's it's not just good. Like I didn't want to fuck this girl after I watched her eat. It was right, disgusting. right, right, right. Because you know that, yeah, that that, yeah. I, I, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, she had like nice jugs and everything, but she, I didn't want to, I did not want to fuck her after she ate steak. That's how disgusting it was. And I'm and I'm not even like a skeevy kind of person like that. But anyway, um, so they do the Dark Order segment. Brody Lee's eating his steak. He's getting offended by the sneeze. And I really had turned a corner on Dark Order. Uh, we already talked about it, but I. At that point, it was like an epiphany. Holy shit. I get it. I understand why they never stopped doing it. And I'm all in. That was, that was my feelings when I was watching this. And I had a nice little 40-minute bit planned where I was going to eat my own shit. But that's all out the window because Mid-South Tony blew it at the end of the show. <laughs> they fucked up the so, last segment of the show. So. Yes. So instead of you know, taking a reverse victory lap, I had to sit there and rant about Matt Hardy, but uh, anything else to add about the segment? Uh, pretty much, I, I enjoyed it too. Uh, I don't know if I'm fully on the Dark Order, but now I, I get it a little bit more, and I loved Brody Lee as the leader. I was a little uneasy about it right at first, but I liked this segment a lot. And this is what I'm saying: where you can be over the top, and you can be bizarre, and you can be weird, and not have it be supernatural. There's nothing supernatural about this. It's just that Brody Lee is you know this cult leader crazy yeah he's crazy and he's a cult leader and and he's unpredictable he was mistreated and, and he's nuts right. now because he was mistreated right and and so yeah. that it's not hard it's not hard to kind of see the story there and yeah that's fine you can you can relate to that you can make it makes sense at some level it's just the volume is turned up as as much as possible so i enjoyed it uh you think it would have been a little too on the nose if you had a you know a thing of ketchup there or and he, and he cut it up and put it in a wrap yeah the wrap would have been a little too much on the nose but I, I, I would have enjoyed the ketchup. I would have enjoyed just a little dabble of ketchup. Little ketchup. Little dab of ketchup. But because um, they're not being subtle, so why bother? Just go all the way. But the Dark Order, it's like I get it now. It's like he mistreats his minions. It just it's all perfect. 
you know, well, they, just they so come much because you, you have the promise of of good times and the promise mm -hmm. of of a whole new beginning for you in your life, and you know, you'll the promise of Nirvana, right, right. And then you get there, and it's dark, it's dingy, and you're getting yelled at by a, a crazed maniac. Oh, so you you get there, Rich, and Daddy eats first. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a true story yeah. with Vince? Well, that's a Cody thing. That's like, what I thought. Cody, Is, yeah, he had that shirt, but is that a Vince thing where he has to eat before everybody else? I think I I don't I don't I don't know, but I, like I they always, would. I, I mean, those guys would know for sure. So like, I trust them to know that. But I thought it was a Cody. I thought it was just like a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge at the failed Cody shirt, um, which was poorly thought out. But I don't know if Cody did the shirt to mock Vince. You see what I'm saying? Right. So I I, I don't know, but I thought what's funny is. He's eating the steak, and the other two guys aren't eating. And I tweeted out, Daddy eats first because of the Cody thing. And then he actually said it like 30 seconds later. And I was like, oh, my God, they really – like they're literally doing Daddy eats first. I don't know. I, I turned the corner on it because I feel like I get it now. It's like he's Vince. The Dark Order is WWE, and it is a really like macabre, dark fucking – look at what WWE is and what Vince is. And I'm like, that is a heavy fucking shit. Mm -hmm. This whole thing. And now I get why they never backtracked on it. Even when everybody was shitting on it because they let it play out. And it, it who, you know, they, they had to expose that idea to people. Like they couldn't just let that die because this is great. But I see why you have reservations because there's a possibility that could I be working myself into a shoot? And could it just be firing off a couple jokes about Vince and then we're back to fucking Right, then it's evil Uno doing evil laughs yeah. again. Yeah. That that's my worry is Brody Lee, I have no I have I I think he's good in the role, but I have no idea what's gonna happen when we get back to Uno and those sort of guys being part of it. I didn't know Brody Lee could talk this well. That's been a revelation to me. I mean I didn't know he was this kind of promo. I mean, it's just two weeks in a row. Yeah, I know some of those guys are, man. Most of these pro wrestlers, and, and you don't see it for a lot of them, and it sucks. Uh, well, you know, because he can't do a southern accent. When are they going to bring that up? He's got to bring that up at some point, right? The southern accent oh, thing? Oh, for sure. Oh, no doubt. I mean, geez, you see this guy knock it out of the park two weeks in a row in these pre-tapes, and you're like, how did they have this guy under their employee for so long? And Well, <laughs> why are we even going down that yeah, road? You know. <laughs> it's incredible how they just – it's such a shit company. Like they don't utilize anyone to their fullest. It's it's crazy. Um, what was next here? Because we really are running short on time. We are. We got it. We got to get moving uh, here. Uh, next was uh, Brody Lee and QT Marshall. So. Oh yeah, so short squash match, it, yeah. and then um, then we had a Matt Hardy pre-tape, and then we had Sammy G versus Kenny for the AAA uh, Super Mega Heavyweight. They still call it all those fancy names. The, I think they uh, just call it the Mega here. I don't know if the Super was in there, but yeah. Back in the Macias days or whatever, but um, <laughs> good little match here. Yeah, I, I mean, enjoyed it. Um, you know, uh, I thought Sammy looked good, and and um, you know, it's hard to have that style of match without fans there. But eh, fuck it, just go out there and wrestle. You know, I enjoyed it. Um, of course, Kenny retains, and then uh, what do we have from there? I can't read my own writing on whatever they did next. Oh, here's the note I took. I thought the cutaways to the wrestlers in the trailer were very overwrought and corny by this point. Who was the girl in like the purple? I don't know. Show? I was trying to figure that out too because it was Austin Gunn, Billy Gunn, uh, Sean Spears, Jericho, and then I have no idea who that woman was. 
whoever she was, she needs to dial it back. Very annoying. Very annoying. Earlier in the show when they were doing the cutaways, it was it was fine. It added something to the show without having the wrestlers at ringside. During this match, that room was very annoying. Well, it became I a can't... one note joke again, like you were saying. The scream at the television yeah. was fine for like ten minutes to establish, hey, we got people backstage, we have people watching this. But you keep going back and keep going back and keep going back and keep going back. It's eventually just gonna get really tiresome. Or how about just react naturally? Why are we screaming like lunatics when there's not even like a high spot happening? Right, right, right. You know, that bothered me. It felt very contrived, quite honestly. Uh, it felt very WWE. That's how they would handle something like that. They'd have people overacting, at, at, you know, and that's what that felt like. Uh, very corny, and I thought that uh, to, to some small extent hurt the match. And then we had the closing segment, which we already discussed. So not nearly as good as last week's episode. Uh, even if you take away the absolute bomb of a closing segment, I still don't think it was as good as last week. So... Um, but it wasn't terrible until the end. All right. Uh, you want to run through NXT here real quick? So Tyler Breeze beats Austin Theory, and this was so utterly ridiculous. Wait, what? Out- Why? <laughs> no, no, not even the result. Listen, you, no, you're going to hate this even worse. Oh, no. So um, they're having a nice little match, right? Nothing to you know write home about. But then Austin Theory finds Tyler Breeze's phone in the corner. Oh, no. And he picks up Tyler Breeze's phone because you know Breeze does the phone game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he picks up the phone and he starts muttering to himself, I'm not a flash in the pan. I'm not a flash in the pan. Oh, as as he's staring at Tyler Breeze's phone, mm-hmm. right? And then as he's muttering to himself into Tyler Breeze's phone, Tyler Breeze hits his finish and pins him. Oh, gross. <laughs> Fuck. Beyond awful. I hate it. <laughs> That sucks. That sounds so terrible. And again, when there's no fans, totally community theater time when this is all going down. As he's doing this bad act, he's acting with a phone in his hand, you know, and, and, and muttering to himself like a crazy person and then gets hit with the finish. So bad. So we're off to a bad start. Uh, Killian Dane won a squash over Tahuti Miles. I am not familiar with Tahuti Miles. I believe this was his TV debut. But uh, you know NXT, they debut guys, they squash them for a while. And yeah, they yeah, get which is fire. So, yeah. Uh, Cameron Grimes defeats Tony Nese. It was okay. Uh, Aaliyah comes out to uh, have her ladder match qualifier against Zia Lee. Uh, t- Zia do Lee. not tell me they're putting Aaliyah in a ladder match. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, no. Uh, much like the Austin Theory-Tyler Breeze match, you're going to hate this worse when I tell you what actually happened. So... Uh, Zia Lee's music hits Rich and she doesn't come out. Tell me if you've heard this story. Oh before. boy. <laughs> so we cut to the back where Zia Lee is holding her knee. No. No. How many times has NXT done this? <laughs> I know. We need some help back here. We need some help. <laughs> Same thing yep. every time. <laughs> you got it. Referees. Drake Wirtz. The whole gang. Right? The whole gang is there. What happened? Who did this? She's <laughs> screaming and crying, writhing on pain on, on the ground. You know, need to get some help. Say it again. You stupid. Yeah, we need to get some help here. We need to get some help back here. I saw back here. <laughs> so, uh, so of course, Aaliyah's like, "Hey, I'm the winner. I have no opponent here. Raise my hand, referee. Put me in that ladder match, right?" So, Rich, you're never gonna guess, but someone else's music hit. Can what? you believe it that they what? sent out another opponent? 
So uh, Io Shirai comes out, okay. making her big return. Uh, a baby face again, all of a sudden, I guess. Uh, you know, I'd love to tell you how the crowd reacted, but there was no crowd. And uh, but the announcers were were acting like she was a baby face, so she was a heel, right? I'm not going crazy, like she was, yeah, she was, she was definitely 100 percent a heel, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so she comes out and uh, you know defeats Aaliyah in short order, and Io Shirai is moving on to the ladder match. So uh, Keith Lee comes out to cut a promo. He wants to apologize for inadvertently attacking Donovan Dajakovic. If you recall, Rich, he was attacked by Damian Priest. But he thought it was the Jakovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he attacked the Jakovic. The Jakovic comes out. He's hearing none of it. He goes, "Whether you apologize to me or not, you still attacked me, and you still took food off of my table." And I thought to myself, "How? You haven't missed any action. <laughs> right, you've been here every time. Maybe you missed like, the house show. Maybe you missed the Largo Loop show." So I'm like, "You're here. What do you mean? Like you're not on crutches? You're not here? You're just like, how, what food did he take off your table?" So then uh, Damian Priest comes out and, uh, you know, he admits that he did the attack or whatever. Lee and Priest brawl on the outside. And Donovan Djakovic, who is so injured that food has been taken off his table, does a uh, springboard dive suicide plancha onto both men to take both of them out. So uh, that's how that segment ends. And then we had uh, Adam Cole, Bebe, from his backyard. Uh, Rich. Adam Cole is cutting iPhone promos from his backyard, and Britt Baker is nowhere to be found on Dynamite. Hmm. It's a little strange. Yes, you're right. A little scary. A little scary, Rich. I don't know about you, but... because yeah, he uh, lives about, I don't know, what, yeah, a few minutes away from the... Uh, now, look, PC, if, but, Adam, hey. if Adam Cole and Britt Baker are, are, you know, going through best practice here and doing the responsible thing, good on them. Um, but, you know... I, I'm hoping for the best there is yeah, all I'm saying. For sure. Um, I'm not ripping them. I want everyone to be clear. No, I'm just this saying is what they should do. Yeah, but the idea, yeah. yeah. Well, we said it again. I, I said it last together. week. I said it last week. There are absolutely wrestlers in major companies that have this, that they're just saying, you know what, just don't don't, just don't say anything. It's <laughs> like either they maybe got it in the ring or they passed it. Like whatever. It's probably best to just do what a lot of people are doing and just go away for a little bit, quarantine, worry about yourself, and – just, yeah, we don't need to announce every single person that tests positive or thinks that they have it or whatever. There's not a, really a need for that. Just right now, the good idea is, is what they're doing. So if they have it or if they're just being precautious, whatever it is, I have no problem with them. But you're right. It is. There are people that you are watching or there are people that you haven't seen. Assume, you know, you don't have to 100% assume, but, you know, be smart about it. Think with your brain and, and, and think of why maybe, you know, he's got an iPhone promo and Brit's nowhere around. So Lord Cannon Birch took on Shane Thorne and Vink, uh, who you may have seen do a job on Raw. Yeah. Um, they're Australian, you see, so now they're tag team partners. Um, Shane Thorne's last Australian tag team worked out real good, so let's go down that road again. The, the difference here is I don't think they have any designs on pushing uh, Shane Thorne and Vink. I think they're just there to do jobs, which is a shame because Elliot Sexton's very talented. Yeah, Shane Thorne yeah. is very talented. Uh, Vink was going to get the big push and evolve because Gabe is just giving away all his booking plans because he has gone crazy. And, um, you know, he was probably going to win the title WrestleMania weekend. He's doing the undefeated gimmick and evolve uh, while losing left and right on on, on uh, WWE TV. Lorcan and Birch win this one. They looked awesome. This was probably the best match on the show. Despite the fact that there was a Matt Riddle-Roderick Strong match on the show, this was probably the best match on the show. Birch in particular was a madman here. 
I love this tag team. But uh, that was a nice little tag match. We had Candice LeRae versus Caden Carter for ladder entry. Of course, Caden, Caden, Candice wins that one to uh, become the final entrant to the ladder match. Show closes. Well, doesn't close, but the final match on the show is Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong. Very disappointing considering the participants. But this was all set up for Stokely. Well, Stokely, I said it. God damn it. Oh, Malcolm Malcolm Bivens. Malcolm Bivens to finally debut with a couple of uh, large Indian boys. Uh, They didn't give them names, but it's uh, two of the Indian wrestlers from the Performance Center. Um, They came in and did a number on Matt Riddle. And then Malcolm Bivens cut a short promo saying that they are there to take over the tag team division. And um, Bivens also noted that he knew Pete Dunne wasn't there. So he picked this week on purpose to send a message. So clearly establishing that he's an asshole too, which is good. You know, he's like, I knew you were alone. So uh, we were going to fuck yeah. you up when your boy wasn't here to help That's you. Good. So I have no problem with that. Well, at least they're finally fucking using this guy. They've had it for a year and a half at this point. Right. And it's like, Jesus. Yeah. And the two big Indian guys, I mean, they didn't have to do much except beat the shit out of Riddle and do power moves. That's so they fine. Okay. I, I could I could use a big monster team on, on NXT. I always liked, you know, the the authors of pain or whatever. That's it's a good it's a good spot for those just, guys. I was just gonna say it was very reminiscent of AOP when they debuted. So we'll see where that goes. And then uh the show closed with uh Triple H cutting a promo. He gets cut off by that's Tommaso Ciampa's music. So Daddy's, Daddy's home. home. <laughs> Daddy's home. Daddy's home comes out. He wants Goldie. And uh, he wants Goldie. He fucking Look, stinks. I hate Tommaso Honest to God, I thought I was going to hate this like I always do. But uh, but he goes, it was very good. This closing segment was very good. Because then uh, he goes, I know Johnny's back there. Get him out here. So Gargano comes out. And Triple H says, I'm telling you right now, there will be no physical contact. Because Regal wanted to fire you guys. And I already saved your job once. If you fight again, I'm firing both of you. Now, I liked that. That's cool. Because it established that they weren't going to, we're just going to lay out what's going to happen and we're not going to have another brawl. You see, and, and there was, it was plausible what he laid out. I, I enjoyed that. Um, they were both fined for tearing up the performance center. We have learned that as well. Uh, Gargano was pretty great here. He said, hey, look, why am I being fined? He's the one who attacked me in the conference room. He's the one who threw the weights through the the mirror. He's the one who put me through the table. And he's such a coward that he put himself through the window in the, in the, (laughs) which, which, (laughs) so he's making all these great points. And then because he's the heel, he makes a totally absurd point at the end. And I thought that was funny. And I thought it was good. Um, I still think Gargano has a legitimate gripe, but at least he's saying like asshole things to kind of, Attempt to heal himself here. Right, right, right. You don't always want your heel to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't want him to be a complete buffoon, but you also want him to do something at the end where you're like, ah, oh, man, I can't root for you now because <laughs> you're such an idiot. Like, he didn't. So that that's perfect. That's good. I like that. Yeah, because he's making all these great points. I'm like, that's true. Ciampa did attack him. That's true. He did throw the weights through the mirror. And then he's like, oh, and that coward tried to jump through a window. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, that's just perfect heel stuff right there. So aside from Gargano getting a little too corny at points because that's just that's Gargano this was I'm not going to call it a home run but a very good segment that I thought was going to be terrible Triple H was good Ciampa was good and Gargano was mostly good and um, the end result was Triple H said I've been through this with Sean I know how both of you feel we're going to end it 
It's going to be over one more time. And he wanted him to get it on right there. But Gargano was like, hey, man, listen, I just got put through a table. I need some time. So Triple H is like, well, when do you want to do it? And Gargano goes, in two weeks. And then Triple H looked at uh, Tommaso Ciampa. He gave a little nod and he said, okay, I'm going to find a building that's willing to house you two animals. We're going to do this in two weeks. What do you mean you have to find a building? You're in one. You've been in one for the last three. He's acting. He said it like three times. Like, I got to find a building that can contain this. But you have two buildings. You have full sale. You have the performance center. So I don't know. That was kind of silly. But bottom line here is they built the final blow-off match for Daddy's Home and Johnny Wrestling for two weeks on NXT. So... Um, good segment, and we'll see if that can get NXT back on track with their viewership a little bit. What do we got to work with here, like 45 minutes? We have about uh, 50 minutes or so, right on the dot, 50 minutes. <sighs> we got to do the dra- – we're, we're not going to – we got to do Dragon Gate. We got to. Okay, so let's talk some Dragon Gate. Yeah, there it is. We'll talk, we'll talk Triple Crown. Don't worry. Well, well, the Acid Cup – sorry, guys. You might get lost. I will tell you real quick, Acid Cup, uh, you won't believe me, but Alley Cat – and Chris Dickinson had a very good match. I'll tell you what we're going to do, Rich. Since we're running out of shit to watch by the day, I will watch it this week. There you go. Yeah. And we'll do the Game Changer next week. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, they, they make mention that, hey, this might be the last wrestling show for quite a while. So, like, yeah, well, it, been, it, it might be an evergreen running. wrestling show. for for So, yeah, you might have time. Yeah. Right. And they've been running every Thursday while we were recording. They're not running this week. So, I'll watch the Game Changer this week. We'll do the game changer next week because I feel like we're going to need stuff to talk Perfect. about. Okay, yeah, I think there's there's some fun stuff to talk about this too. There's some guys that I think you'll like, some stuff that you might enjoy about the future of indie wrestling, some stuff you might hate about the future of indie wrestling. But I think they're 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 fun and interesting shows. So yeah, definitely, yeah, we'll do that. I close the windows. We'll talk about it next week. There you go. So also with apologies to our pal Davis Storm, who is a listener and who is begging us to bury him. I mean, this man wants nothing more than for us to come on the air. He wants nothing more than for us to kill him. He wants I know. I, it's, he hates that we enjoy his stuff. And, like, every time I watch it, I'm like, it's fine. How did this guy – I guess I, well, well, if he, you know, if he wants it, we'll do it, I guess. He wants to get crushed. We'll tell him to go I out watched, there and have a shit match, and then we'll fucking crush him for it. That's what we'll see. Listen, I watched the match. You didn't yet. I didn't. So we'll move the EPW to next week, too. So, again, apologies to our pal, Davis Storm. We know he's listening. He wants nothing more <laughs> – then for me to say this, he wants me to say, Rich, and as for Davis Storm, I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's begging for that line. But here's the thing. He's got to have bad matches for that to happen. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what you think of the match. Okay. I'm going to hold my opinions for next week, too. So we'll move the Game Changer to next week. We'll move the EPW show to next week. But we will do both because Rich didn't have a chance to watch that, and I didn't have a chance to watch Game Changer. So instead of one-sided segments plus the 50 minutes gives us time to do dragon gate and all japan yeah, without feeling yeah. rushed okay so um let's do and, and let me tell you i let me just say this if david storm has a bad match we are gonna bury him don't think that that we wouldn't bury him i mean i hope people understand that we bury people all the time who 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 we know are gonna listen to us bury them so uh the the pressure is on rich i'm kind of hoping you don't like the match. I did like the match. I got to admit. But I hope you didn't. But we'll see. Um, there's a chance you don't like the match, actually. Interesting. Okay. 
I don't want to say too much more. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't spoil anything. Because I, I really actually don't know any of the results of anything. And I'll stay away, too. And just, there, uh... there's, a, there's a chance you don't like the match. I'll just say that. But uh, let's do the Dragon Gate. Um, okay, so I watched Dragon Gate's entire year in two days <laughs> this past week. Which is good and bad. It, it's good and bad. It's good because... Um, you know, I was able to catch up on their entire year. It's bad because it's only because there was like five shows on tape because of everything that's going on. Um, and the show that they just had, which is what this segment is going to be built around, was the live YouTube show that they did uh, with the English commentary on, I want to say, Sunday night, right? Yeah, it was, it was the 22nd, the 22nd, yeah. And that show was their empty arena show and they had, they did AEW style with the um, with the rest with the crew around the ring, and their crew was very rambunctious. Oh, they were ready to go. This this actually ruled. This is my favorite of the empty arena shows that I've watched uh, over the last few days. You have never seen Super Shisha more excited <laughs> than you will see him here. Gamma, the MVP uh, here, was incredible. So, oh my god, he was so great. The international problem dragon was very excitable <laughs> on the outside of the ring for this one. Uh, but yeah, so their their crew did a nice job. Um, with the atmosphere of the show, but the YouTube show, which is free and available on YouTube, it wasn't a very consequential show in terms of storylines. They went out there and had some fun, you know, mostly short matches, um, you know, that didn't overstay their welcome. I want, I don't it, look, it wasn't like it was non-canon or anything like that, but this wasn't loaded up with, uh, you know, the storylines didn't move forward in a big way and there were no title matches or anything. Right. Like that. If, if like if you wanted to skip this one, you'd probably be OK. Like I would just watch it because I thought it was a really fun time. and It was a really fun show. But like if you don't have time to watch it, you're not going to like nothing so consequential happened that like if you don't watch the show, you're not going to be able to you know follow Dragon Gate or whatever. No, it wasn't that whatsoever. But if you're not someone who has the Dragon Gate service and you're not. A, a, a Dragon Gate watcher and you've been meaning to get into Dragon Gate, I would recommend this show because I thought the show was fun and it didn't overstay its welcome and it gave you a good taste of what the, the promotion is like and what the key wrestlers are Yeah, like you know well. the units, you know the key wrestlers, you know the, the, mm-hmm. the reasons why the units are fighting, you know the little back, a little bit of background of the units and stuff. So yeah, that, that to that point, like yeah, you're not going to watch any like huge title changes, you're not going to watch any you know big time matches. If you're a consistent Dragon Gate watcher, you're aware of Dragon Gate, yeah, you might be able to miss this one if you, if you really need to or you, you want to. But yeah, if you're somebody that's always, because we always get there, okay, when should I watch Dragon Gate or when should I jump in or whatever, uh, this is a fun one because I think I thought Jay and, and, and Larry Dallas did an incredible job of telling you who every, each guy was, what they were, a little bit of their story, a little bit of their history. And, and yeah, as, as an introduction to the, to the company, I thought it was fantastic from that standpoint. It's fun. It's just a really, really fun show. And the guys, they, they work their ass off. It's not like everyone's kind of going through the motions. Like, no, there aren't any, like, big title matches. No, there aren't any, like, incredible matches. But I thought everybody tried to some level. It wasn't like they went out there and just, you know, bullshitted around for five minutes and got out of the ring. Like, there's decent, you know, wrestling in this. It's just, yeah, consequential, maybe not. But, but, but still, yeah, it was a, a hell of a show. I, I really had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, it's uh, they all worked hard, and you know you've got the English commentary, and 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 Jai and Larry Dallas are very good, uh, sh- shockingly good, you know, on both counts. I mean, no one knew what to expect from Larry. I mean, we've talked about that before. I was kind of confident he'd be okay, but he's been better than I thought he'd be. And and Jai, who knew what? To, he never did anything like this before. They just threw him into the fucking pool without a life preserver and it turns out 
pretty damn good. He really comes off like a cross between like Mike Tanay. He's that style. Yeah, he's, he's Tanay style. Yeah, he's not going to call every move as it's going on, but he's going to he's going to color the picture for you while it's happening, which is perfect. And just he's an encyclopedia of knowledge. So you know, like a Mike Tanay or an Excalibur, someone along those lines. Um, you know, when Larry Dallas throws something to him, he has the answer. Right. And we, like to a, to a shocking degree too. Like I thought Larry said something here. And I forgot what it was. And, I'll tell you and, what it was. Oh, you I, know, the exact quote where Jay corrected yes. him and was like, actually 2016 is when like, I was like, holy shit. Like, how'd you just know me that? You, you know, cause I know because me and you think the same. Okay. So I know when we heard this, we both thought the same thing. Dragon Daya is getting a big push. Yeah. Okay. And has been scoring pinfalls like on it. Cause I watched all the shows. They're pushing this guy and he was in the main event and won again. And Larry just he says, Dragon Dyer has been red hot. I can't even think of the last time he lost a fall. And Jai had the answer like that. <laughs> like, oh, it was like June, I think it was June twenty eighteen. And uh, whatever the answer was is is irrelevant. But he had the fucking answer. <laughs> right. It's like, how do you know that off the top of your head? And Maniac. and they definitely and, and you they definitely didn't plan that. They did not plan. No, you that. couldn't have. You could not have planned. The, 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 yeah, the, the, there was that one. I think there was another one earlier in the show, too, where he just like, or it might, it might actually, it probably was the exact same one. And there's no way that you can have it in your notes to say, hey, when Larry asks well, the next time, the last time, Dragon, because it's just, they're just, they're just talking. You know what I mean? They're just two dudes talking. But the fact that he could pull that up and immediately go, yeah, no, it was June 2018 is the last time he had a fall. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. I mean, I'm not even sure Larry expected him to answer. All Larry was trying to do was put the guy over for right, being right, on a right. winning streak. Like he's just doing his job, well, and, and, that's, to and that's why it's Tanay like too, because Tanay would do that too. Like Tony Schiavone would be like, "Wow, we've never seen this match," and he's like, "Well, Tony actually, uh, Juventud Guerrero and Rey Mysterio actually fought each other fourteen times in the EC, yes. like, you know, in Mexico before coming to, and they'd just be like, Ugh. you know what I mean?" Like Tony and Bobby would just make fun of him, but Tanay couldn't let it go. You know what I mean? Like he couldn't just like let Tony say, "Wow, what an interesting and unique match here we have on Nitro," without being like, "Well, actually, Tony, these men fought yeah. thirteen times uh, in, in a single month back when they were." both 16 years old in mexico it's just like he couldn't let it yeah, go he just couldn't let that go without correcting it which i love i love that and I'm, shit. So, I'm so annoyed that Tanay has kind of been run off because and and miscast for so many years in tna as a play-by-play guy why are you using mike Tanay as a play-by-play guy and then it's like because he has so much to offer and, and you know i listen to dave's wrestling observer radios and it's like Tanay. You know, he's out there in Vegas uh, making money, betting on sports. Well, not now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it was. <laughs> and he's like watching Bearcat Wright tapes. And it's like he still likes wrestling. And it's like, you know where he would be perfect? NWA. I have no idea what his relationship is with, with Lagana or, or Billy. But, man, you stick him in that booth. And he doesn't even have to talk a lot. Just to give history of the titles and stuff and – and, and just add a little gravitas to it. And I, I, he belongs somewhere, though. You know, I just I, it annoys me that Tanay has been run off. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to do it. For all I know, he's been asked. I don't know. But um, you think AEW would call him? You think Tony would call him? Yeah, I, I'm surprised that he might He might just say, I'm good. He might have been so burnt out by the TNA thing, he might be good. Yeah, maybe wonder, he doesn't want to. I don't know, because he, he, he doesn't. He doesn't engage in the discourse at all anymore either. Like you don't hear him, you don't see him. He, you know, he just texts Dave about Bearcat right and then just goes away. Like that's I mean, that's what he wants yeah. to do. Which is, you know, hey, it's fine. But yeah, and he's giving away his tapes. Did you notice that too? Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget who is it. Roy, maybe Roy Lucier, one of those guys. Um, like Tanay just, just keeps sending the guy all his tapes. Like it's kind of sad in a way. Um, but when it comes to tapes, like you can never watch them all. That's the other thing too. 
I mean, at some point, you just got to be like, I mean, I don't even have a collection nearly the extent of what someone like Mike today would have. And it's like, you look at it sometimes, you're like, I'm never watching this. I'm going to die before I ever watch it. Right, right. And you want to get it to somebody who can oh. maybe throw it up on, on, on a YouTube or whatever. Or, exactly. Or and if you know that you're not going to be the guy that's going to do it, it might be a better idea to let everybody see. You know, you have this tape. Maybe nobody else has this. Let me send it to a guy who can put it up on YouTube and, and, and make sure a bunch of people can see it as well. Yeah, yeah. And then it gets preserved and people who really will have the time to watch can watch. But um, yeah, anyway, that's the kind of vibe you get from uh, from Jai on these broadcasts. He's shockingly good. Um, and I don't mean this as a burial to either guy that when I say they're shockingly good, it's just they're new at it. Yeah, I, you right, know, right, right. Because well, yeah. did you ever did you ever listen to the first? I mean, it was the first time that they did it or the second time. It was rough. And like I, we always say, we're not the type of guys that are going to complain because we always tell you everybody can go and bitch and moan about play by play and color guys or whatever. Go do it. We bit, you know, people that bitch and moan about podcasts, go do it. It's not that easy. <laughs> you know, people think yeah. you hit a mic, you talk about wrestling, you're ready to go. It's not like that. It's really play by play is so difficult. Color is so difficult. The idea of of having that balance between two co hosts and knowing when the other one's done and knowing how to how to bounce off the other person and, and add to the other person, and add color to it. That, it's so difficult. And you need reps. You need a lot of reps. These guys, the first time, really awkward, didn't quite have it, a little weird. The information was all there, but they didn't really have the flow. By show three, four, man, they're ready to go, and now they're 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 good. Like I really like. Yeah, the team. I I thought they were pretty good together, pretty fast, honestly. Um, but yeah, they're they're yeah, this they're, they're very good. But uh, and this is a good show because you'll learn a lot. It's in English. Um, you know, you, you get a good idea who who everybody is, and 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 the people who are being pushed mostly won. Uh, Speed Muscle came back together, so uh, Big Billy Thompson, I'm sure, was on top of that one. And um, you know, speed muscle, not a not a regular, real inside baseball. Yeah, stuff that's good. Here. I like it though. Yeah, but, just, uh, just let it hang. Let it hang. The people that yeah, get it get Yoshi, it. Yoshino and Doi, you know, they don't team a lot, you know, these days. But they 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 were in a tag match here, and you know that ended in DQ that match. Okay, so they beat BB Hulk and and uh, Takashi Yoshida, the former Cyber Kong. They win by DQ, and uh, there was another match on. I believe the previous Corkin, which also just, you know, the typical Dragon Gate where the referee gets knocked down and it's just all hell breaks loose. Right. You get the close, you get the clothesline fucking line where they just take turns clothesline and someone in the corner and you, that spot, which I, and it just breaks down. And you're just, it's just, that's the Dragon Gate house style. The referees don't see shit. But that ended in a DQ as well. And now we got a DQ on this show. Rich, this is big. The Dragon Gate refs are getting smarter. And they're not taking this shit anymore. This is like a this is a this is a seismic shift. Is this a good thing or a bad thing that the Dragon Gate refs are starting to enforce the rules more? Good, I love it. Yeah, I, I'm 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 down. I've I've for a while thought it would have been cool to, to to have a little bit more of that because it's so dorky at sometimes. You know, when when you know, it'd be like the classic like Cyber Kong would you know hold the referee in the corner and then yeah, twenty dudes would come in and do clotheslines and their finishers or whatever. And it's like, come on, the ring's shaking and things are going nuts. Like it's it's it was it was and it was some of the things that we would kind of say, okay, if you're getting into Dragon Gate, this happens and you kinda have to let your brain go just to let it happen. But now you don't have to do that, which is good. I'd 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 rather that. The classic Dragon Gate spot is like you said, Cyber Kong is loosely holding the ref (laughs) in one of the corners. And it's always the same one. It's like that really young, skinny one that's like, you know, always 19 years old. I, I, for, I forget uh, the, the name uh, of that ref. But, yeah, I'd be like very loosely holding him while everybody else in the ring, just every member of fucking insert heel drag unit runs in and does their finisher and clotheslines and drop kicks it's and all that the, sort of it's shit. The, yeah. It's the clothesline spot. 
and then all the heels run in and they do the clothesline in the corner one after another. But then one of the baby faces puts one of the heels in the corner and reverses it. And then all the baby faces run in and do the clothesline spot in the corner. And that is the classic Dragon Gate spot. Meanwhile, the referee who's being loosely held in the corner apparently cannot hear or see that any of this is going on. (laughs) And then finally turns around and, and, you know, or the other classic Dragon Gate spot is someone will throw eight pounds of powder in someone's (laughs) face. The whole ring is just engulfed. And then the entire arena is just engulfed in a cloud of powder. The man's face is completely covered in powder. He's coughing up powder and the referee will still count the fall. I love that one too. And usually accompanied by like a broken plastic box that was smashed over the guy's head as well. But, uh, but Hey, hopefully these referees are tightening things up a bit because I've actually seen two DQs in dragon gate in the span of like, in what in real time was like a month. So uh, encouraging signs there, but yeah, this is a a show. There's no reason to break it down match by match. I don't think, but um, the people who needed to win one dragon Dia again, wins in the main event, dragon Dia, KZ and Yusuke Santa Maria. Uh, They beat the red team of big R Shimizu, Eita and Keito Ishida, but it was Yusuke Santa Maria that scored the fall. So, um, that was sort of the in-match psychology here because Santa Maria really took a beating and then uh, you know made the big comeback at the end. But Dia's team wins at the end. Dragon Gate's split into three main factions right now. There's Team Dragon Gate, which are the younger wrestlers that were trained in the Dragon Gate Dojo. Yeah. Team Toriyaman, which is the older guys that are like in their early 40s who were trained in the Toriyaman gym. Right, your Yoshinos, your Doys, your Dragon Kids, Ultimate Dragons, those sort of guys. Yeah, with the return of Ultimate Dragon. And then Red, which is the heel unit. So... Kind of reminiscent of twenty, was it eleven or twelve with Junction Three and not, and um, when it was split and it was split into two, the whole roster was split into two. It was Junction Three and I can't remember the other one. Blood, not Blood Generation. Um, Blood maybe it Warriors was, was it Blood Warrior? I think it was Blood Warriors um, and I forget the other one. Unfortunately, poor Case Low and Mike. Yeah, Spears I know. I'm sorry, guys. All right unbelievable but it's reminiscent of that because at that time the whole roster was split into two now the roster split into three um so that's kind of the what's going on which actually makes it easy to follow if you're jumping in you know because you don't have 19 different units running around it's a pretty easy story watching everything through over the last couple days i will say that the red stuff with all the interference gets real old real fast. Yeah. It's good heat, but it's also like when you see it on a show and it happens like six times, it's, it, it, it drags down a little bit. You know what red is? Red is like bullet club in the sense that you're either over it and it's just the most annoying thing ever. Or for whatever reason, you're still able to tolerate it, but it, it's, it's certainly become a crutch where, you know, you know, Jado is going to hit somebody with that fucking kendo stick. And you just know that Red is going to loosely hold the referee in the corner. Well, And the other problem with Red's matches is every single one of them starts with a crowd brawl. Which you didn't have on this show because there was right, no right. crowd. <laughs> well, they, they did for a second. They did a little bit of crowd brawling. Oh, Rich, if you go back and watch some of the stuff, every fucking Red match starts with a crowd mm. brawl. And it's like, I, I have all the time in the world on my hands and I'm still fast forwarding. It's like, I can't sit through these crowd brawls. But uh, so that gets a little bit old. Um, I got to tell you, though, you got to go back and and you obviously have the time. I'm talking to you and the listeners. You got to go back and watch Doi's title defenses. His title defense against Casey 
on February 7th. It's fucking awesome. This KZ, let me tell you. I've seen that match, so I I, I can talk oh, to you about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Saw that one. Oh, great. I didn't know you saw it. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I was ruled. I mean, KZ, and he had the same kind of match against Pac. Like, um, you know, he's just so... I never thought that this guy who I thought he would forever be like the number six heel in whatever shitty heel unit happened to exist at the time. Cause that's what he was for so many years. Right. And he just got into great shape or maybe he was always in shape. He was always wearing those jumpsuits, but he got into shape and he has become, and I don't say this lightly or with any hyperbole, one of the best underdog babyface wrestlers in the world. Yeah. Is that too strong? No, or not at all. Especially on those February matches, like the Pac one and, and and this one, where it's like the crowd is just they so the, the best underdog, the best like fight from the bottom guy is when the entire crowd, one hundred percent universally, just wants this dude to win so badly, and every near fall is like life and death to this crowd, and that's to his credit, he he's able to get the crowd to do that as well, and 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 yeah, watching this one, I, I like the Pac one a little bit better. I thought that was a better overall match, but this is still a tremendous, tremendous. Uh, a match this one in, in from February with Doi and KZ. I mean, really, really good stuff there. And you know, Doi eventually just puts him away, and it's done in such a tragic way too, where it's like, wow, he was so close. Like, you know, you knew he wasn't going to do it, but you kind of wanted him to do it. You wanted them to just say, you know what, fuck it, KZ, you're winning the title tonight. You wanted him to do it, and then when he didn't happen, it was like this, like ah, you just got so you knew the inevitability, and the inevitability is what hurt you so much because you got that's sucked what, in. That's what makes him such a great. Um, you know, underdog babyface is that ability to just suck you into the match like that. So, um, that Pac match was February 2019. If people want to go back and watch that one, uh, that was one of my early front runners for, you know, high level match of the year. I mean, that, that it was really a great match. Um, but this one too, I mean, Casey's work is just, Man, he's just so good. You know, and Doi is like the perfect kind of opponent for this scenario. And Doi's not even really a heel because, you know, he's part of Team Toriumon. Mm-hmm. And it's like really red are the heels. But in a scenario like this, it's kind of a heel babyface dynamic because you're clearly, as a fan, supposed to be rooting for Casey. So, and Doi, as we know, when Doi works heel, he's one of the best heels in the business. I mean, He's not outwardly working heel in this match, but there's little heel things. And he's clearly, with all that experience of working as a heel, you know, no, he knows he's working from the top here, is my point. And it's really an excellent match. And then he had a defense against Su, um, uh, Susumu Yokozuka, I think, on the 3-1 show. It was 3-1, yeah, yeah. Now, that wasn't as good as the KZ match. And it was more story-heavy and all that. But let me tell you, Susumu is one of the best wrestlers in the world this year. Between the All Japan Junior stuff with that tournament and his first couple defenses there and this match here, like he's not blowing the doors off with like four and three quarter star matches, but he's going out there and just putting in the perfect performance. That match against um, the kid in All Japan, the the, the good Italian boy, um, Valencia, uh, G- G- whatever, uh, Giovanni. Francisco. Giovanni. Oh, yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Akira. No, no, not Valletta. That's oh, that's all oh, right, right, right. Sorry, yeah, Akira. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the Malta geek. I'm talking about <laughs> the good Italian boy. Yeah, Our listeners uh, from Malta are going to be very upset by that. Yeah, no, Akira sorry. Francesca. No, well, I have no. Listen, I have no beef with Malta. He's the Malta geek though, because he's from Malta. That's you true. see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This I'm is not about. a shot at Malta. This is a shot at Valletta, um, who is perfectly fine as long as he's not pushed. But um, anyway, that's not neither here nor there. The point here is. Susumu's match with Akira Francesca was just, it was the epitome of a veteran pro wrestler performance in carrying an inexperienced kid to the perfect match, to the perfect situation. Do you know what I mean by that? And he had the perfect match in the perfect situation with Doi in that it's like, he's go- this is, again, this is why I struggle with match ratings sometimes because you go out there and do exactly what you're supposed to do but it doesn't fit the scale. It doesn't fit the five-star scale. Like, Susumu's performance against Francesca was a five-star performance, but I can't call it a fucking five-star match, you know? And that's what's kind of annoying about the, the star scale and why it bothers me sometimes. But Doi, I was very skeptical of him beating Ben K. I'm like, ah, this might be a little early to be beating Ben K. But I'm totally on board because his title reign has been fantastic. He's carrying himself as an ace, sometimes that's a problem for Doi. I like him better as a heel, but he's carrying himself as an ace. He sort of has that gravitas as a veteran guy who you respect in the position as champion, right? And um, Ben K hasn't been hurt at all. He came out after he lost the title and had that, I think he had a time limit draw with strong machine J. And then since then, and I get that. He's in a funk. He just lost his title. Since then, he's booked strongly in these matches. Yeah. Um, you know, he's picking up pinfalls. He looks like a million bucks. And he's been established at the championship level, which is important. And you can go back to him at any time. So I was a little weary of Doi beating him for the title, but it has all worked out in the end. And I think Dragon Gate, after watching all of it, um, you know, the tag tournament was a good little tournament. No, nothing to knock your socks off, but a lot of good little matches. Um, Doi's a good champion. Ben K is fine. Dragon Diaz getting a great push and looks great too, by the way. I mean, he's really wrestled well in all these matches uh, that I've seen. And man, I've even really enjoyed like the little five-minute uh, exhibition matches with Martin Kirby. But obviously, since then, yeah, he's I don't get retired. too excited about those, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, but he came in and was starting at the bottom, you know, and having these exhibition matches against guys like Super Cisha and people at that level. And those were nice little, fun little five-minute matches yeah. to open the show. I love, Ben, I love Okuda, man. That dude is such a oh, change of pace God. and drag guy. I fucking yeah. love him. Just a total badass. And, and aligning him with Ben K, that, that team fucking rocks, man. I could really watch that does. team wrestle all. That's just two badasses, two guys that just want to beat the fuck out of you. And it's really cool because it's just a juxtaposition to a lot of other stuff that people think that Dragon Gate is or whatever, you know, rightly or wrongly. But those guys are so much just like, yeah, that's what I want. And I love that they're like, you know, 
teaming together and that they're kind of the, the, the guys that are sort of emerging from that the team Dragon Gate too. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on that. And and so the Doi thing, I also was kind of like, ah, Doi, really? Why are we going back to Doi here? But it helps establish that Team Toriumon as well. So now there's something for the Team Dragon Gate to, go to kind of fight for is, yep. okay, well, the guys who've been around here forever, they're still around here. And hell, one of the, the lead guys in that team, he has the title now. So you know what? We want it. You know, get out of our way. You know, <laughs> like you're going to lose and go away, guys. We, you know, you guys are old and we can handle this. We don't need you guys hanging around anymore. And it's going to be a cool little story to tell when, you know, uh, you know, Yoshino obviously goes away because he has to retire and, and, and Doi loses the title. And, and that'll be a great story to tell that, like, Team Dragon has finally now put Team Toriumon in the rearview mirror in, in some way, shape, or form. So I, I enjoy that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, and they're pushing Dia and, and Kato Ishida is the Brave Gate champ and they're doing a nice job with him. And, uh, Ben K, Dia, and Strong Machine J just won the triangle titles on the show. Was that from Osaka on the 29th of February? I want to uh, say. Let me find out exactly uh, what that was here. I, I, have, I have the page open right now. I can give that to you uh, in a second. That was the 29th was Osaka. Yeah. They had two nights in Osaka, the 29th and the first, uh, March the 1st. Yeah, I just watched all this shit, so I should remember where the, these matches were. Did you know that Shingo Takagi is still the open the Oware? <laughs> I did actually literally just a second. I noticed that, which is uh, is fantastic. I'm surprised he hasn't been stripped, but he's uh, 751 days <laughs> going strong. So. Yes, man. So. Which somebody should do. Uh, I'm sure somebody has, but somebody should do the lineal uh, Oware Gates Championship because that's probably gone in all different directions. Now. Oh God, yeah. Well, we got time. Someone should do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Know? Find out because Shingo won it. Uh, March 6, 2018. So you're kind of breaking the rules of the title, though, if you just do who's beaten who, because it's like a, who gets over more with the comic. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's like, um, but if someone wants to have some fun with that, um, you know, they're more than welcome to do so. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've really, uh, I say it every time, you know, you don't watch Dragon Gate for People a while. People are going to get mad. People are going to get mad at you, man. You can't it's like do. an old girlfriend. It's an old girlfriend, Rich. The one you never should have broke up with. You know, but you always break up with her. You reconnect and you're like, man, this was the one, <laughs> right? Why? I watch this. I like it. We get along, you know? And then, uh, yeah, I probably won't watch Dragon Gate again until fucking November. And then we'll be doing this segment again in November. And I'm going to bring up this same anecdote. How many <laughs> times have I brought up this anecdote? At least nine times at this point. At I've been least, doing like, this since 2014. Times, yeah. Since 2014, I've been saying, Dragon Gate's that old friend, that old girlfriend you never should have broke up with. But it's true, you know? Um, and you just you, you binge watch it. And at no point did I get bored. And um, the other thing with Dragon Gate is I'm like, all right, I got six shows to watch. So I'm going to skip around liberally. But then I'm like, no, I want to watch the next match. And I end up watching all of it anyway because it's all pretty good, you know. But um, strongly recommend the Doi matches. Strongly recommend some of the Triangle Gate stuff. I'm not a big fan of the Twin Gate stuff. It's Hulk and Kazuma Sakamoto now yeah. as champions. Very interference heavy, very red heavy. Um, haven't been able to get into that. Well, I don't, I don't really even like those two guys. I mean, those are two guys yeah. I really do not like on the roster. I've, I've been anti-Hulk for years and years and years, and Sakamoto really kind of stinks. So, um... Well, and now Hulk is broken down, too. But right, the thing right, with right. Hulk, he can still deliver those kicks that look like they're knocking dudes out, which because they probably are. But um, other than that, he, I mean, he's broken down. And Cosmo Sakamoto is just a scummer, an indie scummer. So, yeah, I haven't really been into that. Um, but everything else is, is clicking pretty well. Uh, for the company. You know what else I thought was funny 
on the uh, YouTube show was uh, Kai. Kai has been working a lot at Dragon Gate. And Larry Dallas is like, you know, he's the biggest man on the roster. He's a big man, this Kai. And it's true. But, like, he's not even a big man. He's like 6'1". Like, <laughs> he's like 6'1", 225. <laughs> if that. You yeah, know, I don't know that, what he Like, would it stun you if Kai is, like, 5'10"? Uh, well, per cage match, he's 5'10", 220. Yeah, I mean, but and Larry Dallas is just like going off on how big this guy is, and yeah, he presents my, a lot of trouble he's for exactly opponents. Exactly my height and my weight. So that's like, you know. But it's like it's not inaccurate, right? Like, because a lot of the guys on this roster are like five five, right? So he looks like a fucking monster in there. So I thought that was funny too, and then uh, you know, Jai too with uh, you know Strong Machine J got pulled off the show. And he's like, uh, yeah, they had to uh, re-oil his, the machinery underneath the hood. And it's like, that's the kind of shit he used to write on the site, yeah, on the yeah. iHeart Dragon Gate site. And it's like, it kind of like reminded me of that. You know, like the gimmick is the gimmick. Even though it's ridiculous that we're saying that this man is a machine, like a literal machine, you stick to the gimmick, you know? And it's, uh, it's I like the, that. It's all about of, the universe. Yeah, it's all about the universe here. It's all about the universe. That's all that matters, you know? But um, but yeah, so that's dry. You got anything else on on the show itself that you did see? No. So I, what I would say is, um, you know, I mentioned before, like if you're a big Dragon Gate fan, you might like, and, and most of them that listen to this either have already seen it already or <laughs> don't have to wait for us to tell you one way or another. But I will say one of the things that's that's awesome is watch the beginning of the show too, because the guys come out and and if you've never seen Dragon Gate before, or you don't you skip through the beginning of Dragon Gate. They always like choose a, a a fan to ring the bell. They find some kid in the audience that's really enthusiastic, and and that's the one that rings the bell or whatever. Well, there's no kids obviously because it's just the the fans. So what they do is they're 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 going around the ring, and you got like Don Fuji being like me, choose me, choose me. It's just like incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's great stuff. And it's like, cause yeah. they're all, and again, like it's all about the universe again. Like they all know they're in on the joke and it's kind of fun uh, in that same sense. So eventually they choose Gamma, who's just kind of like acting like he's this most, like he, he's never seen wrestling before. Like he's not the guy that they all know he is. So they get him in the ring there and he's like talking about his favorite wrestlers and his favorite wrestling matches or whatever. He just, he plays it up so well. It's just so funny. Like you don't know what they're saying. Thankfully there's yeah. a guy who translates there, but you don't even need to know what they're saying. It's just like the raw enthusiasm. It's just like a bunch of buddies coming together and just having a wrestling show. And it's, it's yep. in some signs, it's really cool. And like times like this, especially, it's really, really fun that 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 guys can can at least do that, have a little bit of fun, have, you know, get their minds off things for a few hours, uh, and, and and do that. But it's all about the again, all about the universe, like we'll say. And and I'll bear the U.S. Indies for for doing bullshit like this all the time too. But I, and like times like this, it's like hard to get really upset about anything because it's like who cares? So we're telling everybody to go watch this show, and then in the very first match, they're going to see Ho Ho Lun and Punch Tamanaga. <laughs> well, and, yeah, and they're going to be like, "What the fuck? Why are you making Stick me watch with this it. shit?" Stick with it. It's the opener. It wasn't that bad anyway. You know, Jimmy's back. So, looking ripped, Jimmy. Huh? Yeah, oh, Jimmy's uh, been working looking out. <laughs> Jimmy has worked out for sure. Yeah. He's like Humberto Carrillo's less good-looking little brother now. <laughs> right. Right? Like, that's what he. I'm thinking. I'm watching Jimmy. I'm like, this guy's like Humberto Carrillo's little brother. Like, Humberto Carrillo is just bringing home fucking smoke shows, right, from school. And Jimmy's like, you know... Jimmy's a little late to develop, but it's like they resemble each other just enough, but it's clear that the one sibling got all the good genes. <laughs> right. That's what it reminds me of. And and we all knew we all knew kids on our block like that growing up. You know? You you got the one house 
where all the brothers are like good looking and they're all they they all they they in, in succession they're the high school quarterback too. Like yeah, every single time. Yeah, yeah. We had we had a family that they ran the high, they, they were my school's quarterbacks for like twelve years. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like everybody had an Edwards as their quarterback at my school. It was every year. Right. And then one of them actually yeah, one of them is actually a Ram. Uh David Edwards from the Rams. Big dude? David Edwards. That's uh David Edwards. He's a lineman, I believe. Oh, I was thinking quarterback. I'm like, Rich, no, no, no. He moved. Wrong. He uh, he gained remember. weight in yeah. in college. He gained a lot of weight. Yeah. So. I'm like, we never had a quarterback named David Edwards. But yeah, that's the fa- every everyone has a family like that in their town. Well, he's that family. Yeah, he's a part of that family. So there yeah, you know. where they're like the, every high school quarterback comes from the same house, you know, and their father is like you know running drills in the backyard, and they all bang the hottest cheerleader, and they're all the fucking homecoming king. And then you have the house on your block where, like, one brother's really good-looking and charismatic and is constantly getting laid. And then the little brother – and it's always the little brother, unfortunately. The little brother is like – he he tries to copy the big brother, but he just doesn't have the same charisma. And he just doesn't have the same looks. And it's just uh, – you know, it doesn't work out. That's Jimmy. I feel like I'm burying Jimmy, but I didn't mean to bury Jimmy. <laughs> right. It's fine. No. You, could, you know, he's I'm probably gonna end up. With, you know, he's gonna end up with probably with a better job. And like, yeah, it won't be the hottest girl, but you know, they'll have a good, they'll have a good family and three kids and a nice house. And you know, maybe not have as much fun along the way, but you know, he'll, he'll end you up. You know, you're guy. right. You're right. But the problem here is, I'm comparing him to Humberto Carrillo with those fucking dimples. Anyone's gonna look bad. <laughs> right. Right. What are you gonna do? I mean, you know, it's it's a horrible comparison. It's just you're born into the wrong family, dude. You know. But uh, yeah, Jimmy's back. But uh, yeah, that's your Dragon Gate segment. We got it in. There it is. Got it in. Yeah, even with the even with the customary uh, "Don't break up with her" <laughs> segment. You got look. I gotta. You know, I don't mean to either. Like I, I always say to myself, I hit the pillow at night. I'm like, all right, got a big flagship tomorrow. I'm going. You ever do go through the flagship in your head? Oh yeah, of course, all the time. Yeah, I rehearse yeah, it in I the get, shower, and I'm uh, yeah. I in it. the shower, absolutely. You rehearse every. You rehearse it in bed before you fall asleep and you rehearse it in the shower. That's a given, right? You got to get those rants down. And then you ever like do the flagship and you're like, man, I fucked up. (laughs) Right. Nothing that I wanted to do. I said nothing that I wanted to say. If I just would have said it the way I said it in the shower, man, that would have been perfect, but I fucked it up. A lot of times I do this too. Like I'm going through what I want to say. And then I say, you know what, Joe, stop because you're going to do it perfect in your head Mm -hmm. and you're going to fuck it up on the show. So just do it fresh on the show, and you're going to get it perfect because you're never going to replicate this perfection. Right, but then you forget. And then I forget. Yeah, you know, so that that always happens. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. So I didn't even want to do the the Dragon Gate is your ex-girlfriend, but it always just fucking comes up. I don't know. What would be a Dragon Gate segment without it, though? The listeners demand it. Exactly. Right, right, right. What do we got? What's left? All Japan Dream Power Series 2020. We got a new Triple Crown Champion. Suwama defeats Kento Miyahara. Joe, did you see this coming? I need a timestamp here so I know. Uh, you have 15 minutes. All right. I talked a lot about this on the Intelligentsia, patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Rich, people want to know what you think about this, and we're short on time, so go. All right. So I really like the match. I thought it was tremendous pro wrestling. I cannot believe that it's 31 minutes long. 
it 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 felt like twelve minutes to me. I have no I, I I'm I didn't believe it when I saw that it was thirty one minutes. I actually went back and rewatched half the match just to say, okay, let me time it in my head. Was this actually fifteen minutes that I, I of time that elapsed? And it was. I thought this was the best I've seen Suwama wrestle in years, years and years and years and years. And Ketsumi Ahara, I mean, Jesus Christ, what do you say about this guy at this point? He is literally one of the greatest wrestlers going right now. Uh, he's 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 staking a claim to being an all time great, like a generationally great wrestler. Um, as well and and really largely he's just getting ready you know barring some injuries or anything happening like he's still got years ahead of him so I can't wait to see where this guy goes uh, over the next few years but no I thought a tremendous pro wrestling match um, Suwama getting the win was a bit of a shock but the way that they built it up you, you saw it coming you know about two minutes left in the match you see that he's got Kento on the ropes and you're like okay but Kento's been, you know Kento has done that before where like guys have him on the ropes and, and, and he gets out of it but you had a different feeling here on this match I, I even went into it unspoiled and there was just a feeling where I'm like man Suwama gonna win this match like I feel like he's gonna win this match and 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 he did he just he put him away he won it wasn't a really like I don't want to call it a definitive win but it was kind of like Suwama beat this guy you know what I mean it didn't it, it wasn't like Kento fucked up or did something wrong or, or or anything like Suwama just was the better man on that night beat him and it's really interesting too because so what so this breaks up a, a 519 day reign from Kento Miyahara started in uh was it, October 2018 all the way up until the 23rd uh, of March 2020 here uh, a little, a little boring that it went to Suwama. Like we'll we'll talk about that. Like I just don't. I'm kind of over Suwama largely. Uh, you know he's had a few different reigns. You know a, a, as Triple Crown Champion and seven. Ugh, God, is it really seven? Oh, I'm looking at it now. It is seven. Jesus Christ, seven all-time <laughs> record holder. God, yeah. So that that's that's a little rough. Now look, I know it's mostly been dark days and everything, but he does not feel like a guy who was worthy of seven Triple Crown title. Uh, Reigns, right? I right, because it's going to put him in like this rare purified air, air, but he's not. Like he's just not. He's nowhere near where those other guys are. He, at, now, at listen, time. he's a nice little upper mid card wrestler. Don't get me wrong. I just and I get why he was champion that many times. Because who else were they going to turn to? A lot of those times, I, 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 I feel like we're being a little too hard on him. But at the same time, in almost any other era, he wouldn't be a seven time champ. But Go ahead. Right, and then there's also this issue too with all Japan. Is I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna go back all the way to January 2016. Suwama's so the champion. Title's vacated. Kento Miyahara beats him. Suji Ishikawa beats Kento Miyahara. Kento Miyahara wins it from Suji Ishikawa. Kento Miyahara loses it to Suwama. Uh, Joe Doring beats Suwama to win it. Kento Miyahara beats Joe Doring. Uh, Zeus has it briefly. Kento Miyahara. Suwama. I've said yeah. a lot of names there, and many of them are Suwama and Kento Miyahara. Which yeah. is unfortunate. This is the issue where I don't really, I don't necessarily hate that Suwama won the title. I just hate that it's like Suwama again. You, you know what I mean? It's him again. That's the one that beats yeah. Kento. And the problem that I have with this as well, you know, a match I loved. Great match. Go out of your way to watch it. One of the better matches I've seen all year. Absolutely a must watch for 2020. My worry is we're right kind of back to what we've seen for a while with, with All Japan, with, with Suwama, with Kento. And my worry isn't necessarily who's going to win the title from Suwama. There's, you know, you mentioned Jake Lee is, is, is a possibility. Maybe Kento wins it back. Whoever it's going to be. It's probably Jake Lee. Whatever. Regardless, as we know at the end of the day, it's probably going to go back to Kento Miyahara. And we just had this all-time great 500-day reign with Kento Miyahara. You know, and, and there was like, oh, he was going to break some records. He was going to maybe win the most successful defenses or whatever. Like, the fact is, this, was, this has to be his charter reign now. 500 days. You can't go back and have this guy have another long title reign, right? As far as the reigns go, look, he's going to break the record for most defense, total defenses because right. he's only one away, and he's going to win the title probably multiple more times. He's only like 30 or something, um, unless he leaves the company. 
Um, as far as the other one that which a lot of people are surprised because they thought, you know, he did that. That's what they were doing with this reign was the most successful defenses in a single title reign. But see, I don't know if they necessarily care or even were thinking about that. I think that's something that fans think about. Now, when the Okada thing, that was deliberate. This one, I don't know if the idea was to tease people into thinking he would do it and then have them come up short so he can do it later. I don't, I think that's what people think, and I get why they're thinking that, but I'm not so sure in the room they're thinking about that. I kind of, I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I think this is more we have plateaued with this guy as champion, which is absolutely the case. Last year, they plateaued. Um, we, he's taking us as far as he can take us. It's time to finally attempt to get one of these other guys over. And I I don't think he's going to win it back from Suwama. The, the easiest thing to do would be to have Miyahara win champion carnival and then beat Suwama, right? It's a pretty simple story. But the fact that Jake Lee lost those All-Asia tag team titles one match earlier to me is a giant tip-off that Jake Lee is going to win the Champion Carnival and Jake Lee is going to beat Stuama because that accomplishes a bunch of different things. It establishes Jake Lee as a Triple Crown winner Mm -hmm. and caliber guy. Jake Lee wins a Champion Carnival. He wins the Triple Crown. But Jake Lee still has that thing hanging over his head where he hasn't beaten Kento. Right, right. He beat Suwama for the the title, title. yeah, which is a different story altogether. So you don't want to burn off all three. You don't want to burn off the Carnival win, the Triple Crown win, and the Kento win all in one shot. So you save the Kento one by getting the title off of Kento. You also create a misdirection because everyone thinks Kento is going to win Champion Carnival. Right? So to me, that's what seems to be the path here. Lee beats Suwama. Kento wins it from Lee. And now we have a whole new story. All right. Well, Lee is now a former champ. And he still has to get over the hump and win this title from Kento. So you still have a story there. I think that's the thought process more than let's get it off. Let's tease Kento breaking this record and then have him break it again later. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think he'll even threaten it again. I honestly don't think they're thinking about that. So, I don't know. That's that's my take. Um, let me ask you. What do you think the immediate path is and what would, do you think the immediate path should be? Because those could be two different answers. Right. And th- I guess that's one of my other issues, too, is I don't really know what you do in this company right now. I mean... And remember, Nomura with the neck. You got to take him out of the equation. Right. And that's that would have been my guy that I probably would have gone with. But... That's out. I guess you got to go with. You. That's why, like, man, it's it, they're in a tough spot here. They, they're really, really in a tough spot, and it, it's been years and years and years uh, of not getting those next guys ready. You know, those next guys not being ready, whatever it is, bad luck, whatever you want to call it. But they're really down to like, you know, you have Kento Miyahara, you have Suwama, you have Jake Lee. I mean, who else can really? I'll tell you who. Uh, okay, feasibly, then, yeah. Who then, else you got? You got Jake Lee and Nomura were the two. Yeah. Nomura's got the neck. Right. Jake where, where Lee he's, I would go – by the way, I would have done Nomura. I would have done – build up this entire year for him. But if that's not a possibility, then that's not a possibility. 
Jake Lee, to me, the ship has sailed. Even if he does win it, I don't think he has the necessary charisma, but they may not be thinking that way. And then you've got your next Yuma Aoyagi, who just got the title shot after the turn. Right. But his sort of thing is just starting. Okay. Ayato Yoshida is the other one. Not your wrestler. Okay. 2AW. I get it. But they've done with Suji Ishikawa before and things like that. So it's not out of the question. Mm -hmm. But to me, Ayato Yoshida is also on that Aoyagi level. To me, Ayato Yoshida has more upside than any of these guys. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I, I look at him and I see a fucking star. I see dollar signs when I look at Ayato Yoshida. He has everything. And New Japan knew it. And believe me, if that relationship didn't fall apart with 2AW because of the Taka stuff, because Taka had to you know go cheat on his wife or whatever the fuck, he'd still be in New Japan and Ayato Yoshida and Shota Aminu would be generational rivals in that company at the top of the card. I wrote about it in the book two years in a row. You saw that that's what they were doing. If you understand Gato, you understand that that's what he was doing. Right. And I see dollar signs with that guy, and he has fallen into all Japan's lap because of politics. And that's the guy I think that they should be slowly pushing the way that they slowly pushed Miyahara five years ago. That'd be my guy. And then the other guy, the third guy, is Yusuke Okada, who's a junior now, but I could see him becoming a heavyweight. Yeah, there, there's time. For, I mean, that that's yeah, that's not immediate. <laughs> that's no, like a guy you put on the, the, you put on the whiteboard and say, okay, let's get to this guy if we can. For sure. I agree the with it. The problem I agree with is, yeah. but here's the thing. I think the Jake Lee Nomura wave of guys are now a no-go because I don't believe Lee is charismatic enough, and I think Nomura is toast. Right. At least for the foreseeable future. So I think you got to start going to that next level now. I liked what I saw from Aoyagi in that match. I know people didn't love the match, but Aoyagi's performance, that cocky pin attempt at the end, and I like what I saw. Yeah, he's good. It's just like, yeah, is that going to keep them in business? And I think that's, I guess, what they're the, the issue with All Japan right now is like, who do we have that's actually? And this, that's my worry about this Kento Miyahara thing is that I am so worried that, and I'm not saying that I'm upset that I'm going to get to see great Kento Miyahara main events or whatever. The fear that I have is that. Whatever you're saying is going to happen. Jake Lee beats Suwama, whatever wins. You know, if that scenario plays out, I know inevitably the 30 year old Kento Miyahara, he's going to win this title again. And do we go down the, oh, Kento Miyahara has the title for two years thing again? Which is fine. It's whatever. But we've seen that, like, it's got a shelf life to it. And it's, to me, it's a little boring because I'm like, all right, what's next? What's the next story? Let's, what are we doing well, new? Like, listen, you, you're not alone because, again, business has plateaued. Right. Their fan base is bored with it. Business hasn't. I mean, they've fallen. This, at, at thirty years old, this guy already he holds two of the top five longest and most successful defenses of this title ever. And listen, none of this is his fault. They haven't been able to build mm -hmm. rivals. Well, and that's what I'm saying. That's my fear is that they're going to give him the title back when when the Jake Lee thing doesn't inevitably doesn't work or whatever, or Suwama gets hurt or something like that. It's right back to Kento, and then like, isn't it just easy to say, you know what, fuck Kento, just hold the title for two years again, whatever, man, we'll figure it out. We'll try to build guys underneath again, like they've done. Yeah, that's the easy thing why... to go to because, like, like you're saying, you could shock the world. And, okay, it's this guy that you never thought in the world was going to win. But what if you know people don't respond attendance wise? Do you go with the yeah. okay? We're not cratering, but we're you know we're we're fine. We're whatever with Kento, or do you say fuck it? Let's take a risk of all risks and see what happens. With the idea that maybe it doesn't work, maybe it maybe it falls on its face if you know <laughs> Yumiyagi just comes out of nowhere and wins this title or whatever. You, you know, like uh, I'm going to put it to you this way. When Miyahara was on the come up and they were clearly building him for the spot, we knew it was going to work. We're like, this is the guy. Remember? Right, right. We're like, this is so clearly the guy. The only dude I feel that about 
the only I have that same internal feeling about Ayato Yoshida. I really do. I feel like that is the that is the guy. But they are not I don't see now it's very early because they just started using them. But I don't see them planting those seeds. We saw them planting the seeds with Miyahara. Who we see them planting seeds with are Jake Lee and Nomura. Jake Lee is not going to work. No, I am it. so yeah, off. I can't Jake believe Lee I can't believe there's people that think that that's going to work again when it hasn't he worked. Just isn't it the last seven times they've tried? <laughs> like it's it's so boring. It's like okay, he's fine, go to it. You can see guy. he's a fucking dud. He's a dud. He goes out there it's, and he's a goddamn dud. So it's not going to magically click with him. You know, he just doesn't have the charisma or the fire. You know, Nomura might have. He needed work too, but you can't even talk about him now. You know, but Yoshida, man, he just jumps off the page, especially here where he can wear his own gear and stuff. He jumped off the page in New Japan wearing young boy gear, where he wasn't allowed to be charismatic. You know, I'm telling you, they're, in New Japan, they're trying to think of ways to get that guy back. I'm telling you, this guy is money. I am so confident in that. You know, so that'd be my guy. I'd be building underneath right now. But again, he's not your guy, and it's tricky. It is tough, he yeah. can get yanked away the same way he got yanked away from New Japan. And it's just a shame how it works there, because he does not belong in that dopey little company where he has no future. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows what, what's going to happen over the next day. Maybe it doesn't exist anymore for a little while. Yeah. Not that I, I want anybody to know. go out of business or lose money or whatever, but... Um, you know, their champion is Yuji Okabayashi now. I saw that. Yeah, he won it uh, yesterday, right? Yeah. Congratulations to Yuji yeah. Okabayashi for winning the coveted 2AW championship. So. Yay. Um, I'm sure he'll have a Did he even bring it job. home? Did he just leave it at the arena? Ah. He didn't put that one in. He didn't, he didn't even bring that out of the when building you, with him. <laughs> when you have a chance to do Yuji Okabayashi versus Dinosaur Takuma, you got to do it. right? You can't leave that money on the table. You think he got through the curtain and then just dropped the title and said, all right, I'll see you guys whenever. <laughs> like, you know. I mean, honestly, he's picking up gigs. I mean, you know, yeah. the work's about to run out. You know, I don't blame the guy. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of – look, I, I feel like the writing's on the wall for this Jake Lee thing. But, you know, that's just my speculation. It just looks looks like a path. I mean, um, did you watch that tag title, the Yankee 2 Kenju uh, coming in? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right. It was a nice. You know what I think it was? It was like a a good raw match. When there's like a good raw match, that's what that was. It was a nice little TV match. So Kodaka and Miyamoto coming in as outsiders to win those belts, and uh, Susumu Yokozuka, you know, he beats Izanagi. You do what you can with an Izanagi. You know, you're not going to set the world on fire in a match like that. And you know, he had to overcome the interference and everything. Again, those two matches were kind of like nice little TV matches, is what I would call them. And then the Triple Crown match was fucking phenomenal. I mean, Kento Miyahara. I know I sound like a broken record, but every time this guy wrestles, he's better than the last yep. time he wrestled. He was so good in this match. He just, nobody manipulates crowd emotions and controls a crowd like he does. Nobody. And he is so far and away the best wrestler on this roster that there isn't even a number two. The gap is so wide between Miyahara and the next best wrestler in this company. And it's almost not even an insult. I'm not even burying the rest of the roster. I'm putting him over. He's just so much better than everybody on this roster. There's just a different vibe when he's in the ring. And he's just, he's just great. This is just phenomenal performance from facial expressions to mannerisms. 
to just bell-to-bell physicality, to match structure. And that crowd, by the end of this match, was just totally behind Suwama knocking this guy off. And I like the abruptness of the finish. Yeah. They didn't do that crazy fucking Pearl closing stretch. It wasn't like a, but at the same time, it wasn't like just a, uh, a, uh, a flash finish either. It was just, wasn't well, you knew, you knew two minutes, like with the last two minutes, you're like, fuck, this dude's putting him away. He's putting him away. He's going to beat him. He's going to beat him. And then he's beats him. And you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> like you, you see it coming. You know what I mean? In a good way. Like you could tell that he's got him on the ropes and he just needs to finish him off. And then you see that he's going to do it. And it, 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 it's, it's cool in that sense where it's a definitive, like obvious win, but it's not like, yeah, it, it's not like you bear. Yeah. It, it was perfect. Yeah. You got to watch it to understand what we're saying here. Yeah. And Kento, I mean, if you told me he was the best wrestler in the world, I'm not arguing with you. That's not an argument I'd have. Even if it, even if I thought about it and didn't agree, I mean, I, he's, he's great, you know, and it's just, the little things and the big things. He's great at everything. He's the total package. He's a joy to watch. And this was one of the best title reigns I've ever seen. Pantheon level. Top 10 title reign I've ever seen, probably higher. How about that as he, as he ends his title reign? Yeah, Have you no, thought it's, about it's that? There. Yeah, it's fucking there, man. It's, it's, it's an all-timer for sure. And there's geeks who were screaming for it to end. Can you believe that shit? Like this stop the Kento stuff? Yeah, yeah he's bored of him. God, these people are just... <laughs> What are you doing? You know, like, what are you, what are you watching? But um, yeah, this is a Pantheon title reign. One of the best I've ever seen in all of wrestling. Uh, maybe that's something to think about as we run out of wrestling, putting together lists like that, you know, and thinking about things like that, uh, you know, to do on the show moving forward. Mm-hmm. We're going to run out of fucking shows. Yeah. Bitch. People are going to stop running here for a bit. Yeah. The next month it's going to be a bloodbath, man. There, no one's going to be running. So, so. Anyway, I've got expanded thoughts on all of this behind the paywall, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Look for the latest, the intelligentsia, the most arrogant wrestling show on the planet, um, where I do a very deep dive on all of this uh, Miyahara stuff. So that's it. We're out of time here. So anyway, voices of wrestling.com for uh, we, we had some fun stuff planned uh, for the next week or so to get us through this period of, of weirdness. And uh, the podcasts have continued. So the voice wrestling podcast network, of course, that continues. Uh, Patreon.com slash voices wrestling as well as voice wrestling.com slash discord as well. Our discord channel. If you want to go there and uh, talk with us and at voices wrestling, if you want to make an undertaker mention, Joe will block you. So there you go. If you want to get blocked, you uh... blocked on site. <laughs> so jump in and talk about the undertaker and Joe will block you. So there you go. So anyway, for Joe Lanta, average great. We'll see you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flash Podcast. Take care. Alrighty. I will get this guy edited in a few minutes.